Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hope you had a great weekend and whoo! What a sports weekend it was. Big win for the Bombers. Jets continue their preseason. The Ryder Cup was handed out in Italy. The Blue Jays clinched a playoff spot. And a big, big Sunday in the National Football League yesterday. And we will get to it all over the next couple hours here on WST. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Pre-Press is going to be jumping on with us. And we'll speak, uh, we'll spend plenty of time right off the hop talking about the Jets who are in action tonight in Calgary, in their second-last preseason game. Not on TSN tonight. This is the other game you'll have to watch at winnipegjets.com, but it will be available for people that want to see it. And um, there were a number of players that were reassigned to the Moose over the course of the weekend. And we'll get a little look ahead to Moose training camp beginning today with Dan Fink coming up in the second hour of the program. So uh, lots to get to today. Welcome everybody in chat. Folks, if you're watching this and you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, now's the time to uh, press that button. Completely free. We are just over 50 subs away from the elusive 10,000 mark. Our goal is to get there by next Wednesday when the Jets drop the puck with the Calgary Flames on the season. So uh, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up for the episode while you're at it. And uh, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and how they can join us Monday to Fridays here on the WST channel. Um, big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our partners at CoolBet, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza and Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, F Apparel, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barber Shop. Shout out to everybody in chat. What is up, Michael Remus? Uh, how was your weekend, buddy? Pretty good, Huss. Uh, we do have some Jets breaking news happening right now. It is 1 p.m. The waiver wire underway. Um, Jansen Harkins got, you know, well, we're getting to the Jets. They had what well, he was sent to the Moose over the weekend. There's an illness going through. They had to call him back up. He had to pass through waivers. Just got claimed by Pittsburgh, Huss. So we got some breaking news off the top. So... Wow. I mean, good for good for Jansen Harkins. They see him get another opportunity. He wasn't getting, wasn't getting it here. I mean, he had a great preseason, scored, you know, had points. Um, got sent down to the Moose in a number of cuts, and they had to put him through waivers to bring him back up, uh, and he got claimed by Pittsburgh. So, you know, good for him. And I see comments in Chetto, another player they lost for nothing. Like, they weren't playing him at the NHL level. Um, he had gone through waivers last year. No one claimed you know, no one put in a claim. Like no one was going to give anything up for for Jansen Harkins. He was a nice depth to have, but they had other guys they like more. And uh, I think you're just happy to see a guy get an opportunity. And that's a, yeah. that's our breaking news to start the show. Yeah, I mean, listen for everyone that you know wants to moan every single time a player's picked up off waivers. There's somebody gone for nothing. Um, you you can pick guys up for nothing. You lose guys that aren't able to to make the big club. That is basically why the waiver wire is set up as it is to give players that might have an opportunity elsewhere, um, you know, the chance to do it. So good for Hark. Uh, listen, I, I was impressed with the the way he'd looked so far in training camp. And I can't say enough about what he did last year at the American Hockey League level. I mean, obviously it's disappointing to, 
you know, to pass through waivers last year, to end up going to the American Hockey League when you, you feel you can contribute at the NHL level. Uh, but he had himself a monster half season with the Manitoba Moose. And I think we all realize that with the Dubois trade and three players coming back into the Jets' top 12 uh, with Dubois leaving, those those jobs at the bottom of the depth chart for forwards um, were even more scarce than they were in the past. Um, and I think Jensen's, I, I'm sure Remus was looking for an opportunity somewhere else in a change of scenery. Um, so this is a great chance for him to go to Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll see what sort of opportunity he gets where he's play, where he's playing. And obviously, if he doesn't fit in in Pittsburgh and they put him back on waivers because he's not fitting in the lineup, Jets will have the opportunity to reclaim him uh, as well. But uh, it's a bit of interesting news right off the bat to uh, to start the program. Yeah, we, you know, sorry, didn't even get a chance to talk about my weekend and how great it was watching uh, Taylor Swift on Saturday Night Football. Last night, but uh, it was a nice weekend. You know, we had Bombers Friday. What a what a fourth quarter comeback that was. I know we'll get into that quite a bit. Jets preseason Friday, you could kind of dual screen that. Saturday, some nice CFL games. And yesterday, I'm just all NFL Sunday for me. So uh, it's fun. It's that time of year. Oh, yeah, and sorry, baseball. Uh, there was some big baseball games. Blue Jays kind of backdooring in there. They still got their champagne. Oh Still got the God, champagne party, they? yes, <laughs> after backdooring into the playoffs. So, uh, Who is that guy that they started yesterday? Oh, uh, he was not good. Uh, that's the hangover, the classic hangover game in baseball, the hangover I lineup. don't think this guy's pitched in the majors in four years, I saw somebody say. Um, listen, when they didn't get it done in extras on Saturday, they had to sit back and cheer for the Texas Rangers Saturday night. And listen, that was a huge, huge um, favor that Texas did uh, did the Blue Jays. Because A, they clinched the spot for them. B, they didn't have to use Gosman on the bump in game 162 so he can go for game one of the playoffs. And the other thing it allowed them to do was completely tank the game to finish third. And now they're going to be taking on the Minnesota Twins. In the uh, in the series, as opposed to going up again against the Tampa Bay Rays, who they played two of their last three series against, and has a far better record than the Twins, who were the lowest ranked of the three division leaders. And uh, tell you what, there's a lot of happy Blue Jays fans around here, Reem, that are making the trip down, including our pals Mike and Ken from the Winnipeg Free Press. Sounds like uh, the fellas have a bit of a roadie going on. Leave early tomorrow. Get down there. It's a 3.30 p.m. Winnipeg times, central time start for Twins Blue Jays tomorrow and on Wednesday. And then uh, the guys will drive back right after the game, get here in the wee hours, and uh, be ready to go for the Jets' preseason finale on Thursday night against Ottawa. Yeah, Mike uh, texted me yesterday saying, hey, can we switch the Tuesday spot? Because he's going with Ken. So we'll get a nice recap from them, but I'm I don't are there any Jays fans from uh, who listen to the show heading down? Let us know. I went down to the when they played the Royals in the ALCS one year. Uh, we had drove overnight. I wouldn't recommend doing that ever. You and I drove overnight. I would. I would. It's so easy. To, well, to me, yeah, to Minneapolis, yeah, you would do it. Drive overnight. I guess that's not I've that dri- far. I've driven overnight to K- KC a number of times by myself. Never mind. I mean, oh, if yeah. you've got if you've got some guys, like I mean, if you've got a few dudes with you or people with you, and other people can take over, 
I mean, it honestly is the easiest drive around to uh, to KC. And Minnesota's shorter. When you go to Fargo, turn left, another three hours, you're there. So, um, anyway, shout out to all the all the road I, trippers that are going to get down there for uh, for Blue Jays Twins. There was a Jets tie-in uh, after the Jays clinch. We'll go back to the Jets because they do have some uh, some breaking news there. But how about uh, pitcher Eric Swanson? Us repping the Jets jersey on the field after the Jays clinched. Let me uh, bring this up real quick. You now, Eric Swanson, what he's from, like Fargo, isn't he from North Dakota? And yeah. his family in Winnipeg went to Lake of the Woods in the All Star break. Mike McIntyre wrote at Buffalo a... Point. Yeah, he was down at Buffalo Point. Yeah. Uh, I believe Mike McIntyre wrote a nice feature on him in the Free Press this summer. But here he is repping a Jets jersey after they clinched. What a collab! <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. Um, stick tap to uh, whoever from the uh, Jets social media team was ahead of this, planned for this, and executed this. Um, well, it looks great. As I say, a lot of excitement for the upcoming Jets season next week, but this week it's playoff season, and uh, I know there are a lot of Blue Jay fans that are also Winnipeg Jet fans going to be getting behind the team. But uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was a pretty cool uh, touch. Uh, that the Jets did uh, down in T.O. on the weekend for uh, Winnipeg Jet fan uh, Eric Swanson, who says he's got to get to a game. Uh, hopefully they'll be busy for the next month or so, and then plenty of time to come out here uh, for a game. Um, as far as the Jets go, and again, we're going to get to the Bombers, and we'll spend you know a bunch of time talking about the Bombers and looking ahead to this massive game on Friday with the BC Lions with Jeff Hamilton coming up. Um, but let's quickly, Reem, go over the weekend for the Jets because they uh, lost 3-1 to, uh, to Ottawa on Friday, um, you know, with a very, very light lineup. Um, and Jansen Harkin scored again. Maybe that was, uh, that gave him a little extra, extra nod towards getting picked up today on the waiver wire by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Elias Salmonson did leave the game after taking a high hit, but he was back on and uh once again, I mean, the guy that everyone was talking about coming out of that game, Remo, was Billy Hainala, who had another really strong performance and continues to get better seemingly each time he's out there during this camp. Billy Hainala, I mean, he's looked so strong, you know, moving the puck, um, you know, very quickly and defending well. And he's really making, you know, putting a stamp on this preseason. He's going to get two more games, but that's the biggest question coming and what is going to happen with the defense. And they have a number of injuries like Nate Schmidt, and even who was skating with the extras, and he is not in tonight. And who else? Kyle Capabianco uh, was skating in his own group. He's working back from an injury. So, you know, they might have to delay this Hanela, but I think at a certain point he's played so well, you're almost like slapping him in the face here, being like, all right, Villa, you did everything you need to do. Uh, sorry, your contract says you can go back to the Moose. I mean, he's been it's been a couple of years now since his draft year. He's played. He's dominated in the AHL. It's time to give this guy a shot, but unfortunately, they don't. They don't have the. Is he rock. better than? Is he better than the six guys that they have at the top of the depth chart? That is. You know, uh, well, what we it comes down to. How can you make that determination? He hasn't been given a shot uh, to prove it. Has he earned a shot to prove? I, I think so. I think he's earned earned some time. But I don't. I mean, how could? How do you know uh, if he's he's done? He's played. You know the the level you think. That he should be playing at the AHL in the preseason so far, but like I don't, I don't. You have they haven't given him a, a real chance uh, to like how many games has he played? Then how many did he play last year? Like under ten? Mm, 
off the top of my head, I'm going to guess 15 or 16. He played 10 games exactly last year. Exactly 10. 10. Well, nice he played prediction. 12 the year before. He's played 35 NHL games. Uh, and, wow, parts of four seasons. Has. So, what, drafted 2019. It's 2023. It's been like four years. Uh, four years since he was he's drafted. What is that? What's Shane Malloy say? Draft plus five? Then you really yeah. know and he's he's getting there this is kind of like a, a bit of a prove it year here for him yeah i mean his the problem and listen i'm completely with you i would love to see billy get a nice run in uh you know of nhl games and maybe feel confident enough that you know one mistake isn't going to send you back to the press box or uh or elsewhere um but again it's competitive back on the blue line i mean i think you know nate schmidt neil pionk um, you know, you can make an argument that Villy, um, you know, can bring some things that, you know, some of those players don't. But uh, listen, there's always been a question as to whether the guy can defend at an NHL level, whether he can handle some of the bigger bodies. And you're right. The only one way you're going to find that out is uh, is if the young man gets to play. I mean, Rick Bonus said on the weekend that these next two games are going to be huge for Billy Hanelon. Listen, I'm sure some people will say that's lip service. I mean, we know what the situation is. We know that Philly's able to go on waivers. Um, and listen, as hard as it is to swallow for a player like that, I think we'd all agree, Remus, that you know a young player needs to play. And I think either Declan Chisholm or Vili Hena, like, is it great if they make the team? Sure. But if they're not playing on a regular basis, I'm not sure that's good for either of those players. And, you know, unfortunately for Billy in his situation, the team doesn't need to worry about losing him for nothing if they do put him on the waiver wire. So um, I'll tell you what, if he's on this roster and he's there at the beginning of the season, he will have earned it because in some ways, just because of the way the CBA works, the deck's been a little bit stacked against him this year with players that were already there, a pretty established pecking order and depth chart amongst the blue liners of the returning players, and the fact that Philly's the one guy that is waivers exempt of that group. Yeah, we've kind of been waiting for them to like clear out some room for some of these guys, um, you know, either Chisholm or whoever, and uh, they really haven't. We've been talking for, you know, two summers now, but okay, what are they going to do with the defense? <laughs> Who are they going to move? And they've moved uh, nobody, and... You know, it seems like they do have some illness going around the team and uh, injury issues, so you may not have to make any decisions. But, I mean, he's earned an opportunity for sure. Will they give it to him? Uh, it's something to watch. And, you know, the other guy, you can bring up the lines for – should I just bring up the lines here for tonight? Yeah, for tonight's uh, game, uh, Chef. Sure, uh, sure. Logan Stanley is the other one, too. He's. I'm curious what's going to end up happening with him. And here are the lines. Says, there is a game tonight in Calgary, but there was – you're going to go over the. Here, I'll go over the the other tweet they said. So, uh, Brad Lambert just got brought up because Shifley and Barron are are injured. Uh, Salmonson, Reichel, Danny Jelkin assigned to the Moose, and Sautner, Malat, Tonanato have cleared waivers but remain on the wa- roster. So, because Arkins didn't clear, I'm sure one of those Malat or Tonanato will be in the game. But here's the lineup. So this is what it was supposed to be. I crossed out Shifley and Barron. Yeah, by thought, the way, when you said they were injured, people might be freaking out. Not necessarily oh, sorry. injured per se. They're yeah. ill. They're sick. Ill. I don't know so, whether. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, injured as in not healthy enough to play. But the injury is, I mean, it's Ill. there's a flu bug going through the team. We have clips of 
Rick Bone is discussing that, but here's the, thanks for clarifying that. Here's the lines, Hess. I follow Shifley, Nemesnikov, Nino, Perfetti, Appleton, Baron, Kupari, Ford, uh, Axel, Janssen, Fialbi, Gustafsson, Viel, uh, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, Pionk, Stanley, Hainala, Hellebuck, Delia. And then so Shifley and Baron are out. I put in Lambert and Toninato, but I mean, we'll have to. We'll that, to... That, that was what they said. They said uh, Toninato would, would be the, that extra guy if he cleared waivers, which apparently he has. So, uh, yeah, it'll be Brad Lambert and Dominic Toninato taking the spot of Mark Shifley and Morgan Barron. And they're going to be going up against a Flames team that'll look pretty close to the team we see next Wednesday when the Flames host the Jets in a game that really matters. Huberto, Lindholm, Mangiapani, uh, Ruzichka, Kadri, Dubé, Sharon Govich, the newcomer from Jersey, new captain, Backlund, Coronado, Coleman Schwint Hunt, and then back on the blue line, uh, Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin and uh, and Chris Tanev, Zadaroff and Osterley, their top six, and uh, Di Simeone and Soloyvyov. Uh, I'm not sure if I got that right for the final one. And then uh, Markstrom uh, is going to be getting the start tonight. So, I mean, back to Hainala for a minute, and Stanley as well for that matter. Um I'd say it's probably their best opportunity going up against, you know, real legit NHL competition, pretty much top to bottom of the uh, of the roster. Um, and you know what? You move up from the quality of players you play throughout the preseason. So as Rick Bonus said, and we'll get to this in a minute, um, this is definitely a big chance for uh, both of those players um, to prove that, you know, they are deserving of a piece of the opening day roster for the Winnipeg, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. But um, the story, I mean, as we kind of get to this, Remo, and this team, and it started with Colby Barlow. And listen, I don't know whether it's just the fact that we're coming out of the uh, bizarre era of the pandemic where, you know, we kind of treat people getting sick a little differently. And frankly, we've seen people getting sick spread like wildfire, maybe more in the past, especially when dealing with COVID. I'm not suggesting it is COVID, but... I don't even know if we test for that anymore. People are just getting sick. Uh, it started with Colby Barlow, but a number of players right now um, dealing with just what they're referring to as a flu bug. But it's uh, not coming at an ideal time because you would like to use this last week of the preseason to pretty much set your roster and get a team ready to go that won't be doing a lot of things for the first time on the 11th of October when the games start to count. Yeah, it's, you know, the preseason's interesting. Like, you don't want guys to get hurt, but you also want them to get some reps as as a group. You know, they're trying to test new lines. You have some new players here. You'd like them, you know, play so you can get off to a good start. You don't want to be playing catch-up on game one. But we've seen in the NFL, Huss, like, teams don't really take the preseason seriously in the NFL. I mean, a lot of guys don't play. And I wonder if in hockey we're – it's a Kind of coming to be a similar thing soon, like where, you know, you kind of go, you take a couple strides, get me get used to. It. I mean, we were at the game; it's nowhere near uh, NHL speed preseason. And like, is guys not playing preseason like the worst, like the worst thing ever? I don't think so. But I think for this team that has you know new line combinations they wanted to try, doesn't doesn't help when. Like, you... what do we know? What do we know about Ehlers, Perfetti, and Nito Niederreiter right now? You don't know anything. What Nothing. Are we... we haven't seen them play together yet. And, 
you know, as they say, it, it is it's very unfortunate. The, and let's get to the Ehlers situation as well. Well, first we'll hear from Rick Bonus Room. Let's get these clips ready to go. Okay. Um, and and you know, we'll talk to what the team's dealing with, but also specifically Nikolai Ehlers' situation, which continues to drag on and probably frustrates him, probably frustrates the coaching staff, and I would imagine frustrating a few of you listening and watching right now. Uh, we started off with this flu bug going through the team, which has now got Mark Shifley and Morgan Barron, who were scheduled to play in Calgary tonight, but will not be part of the roster. Here's what Bones has to say about that. So there's a bug going through the team. No question, Mark. Uh, Mark, we allowed to leave the guys. So he wasn't feeling well yesterday, and uh, he worked his way through practice, but he's not feeling well, so we sent him home. Uh, Morgan Barron is not feeling well either, so uh, he, he was supposed to play tonight. He's not going to play. We don't want to put him on the plane with everybody. Yeah. Um, so you see Gabe out there and Casey, they're feeling a little bit better today, so they're back on the ice. Dick took the day off because he's still not uh, feeling 100%. So uh, there we are. And we don't know what we're going to look like when we get off that plane today. So we're bringing an extra forward and an extra defenseman because we this thing uh, seems to pop up pretty quickly. And we might get off that plane and have a few more guys under the weather. So. All right. So there's Rick Bonus on uh, what they're dealing with. And, uh, well, he just actually expanded a little bit more on uh, dealing with uh, half the team being under the weather, it seems, right now. We look at it as there's absolutely nothing we can do, totally out of our control, and our job is to find solutions, not sort of excuses. So uh, we'll, we'll do the, we're going to do what we can. The guys who are again, some guys are going to get another game that we're supposed to get another game. They're going to play tonight, and but that's that's the reality of the situation we're in, and we're we're going to make the best of it. All right, so uh, Rick, bonus on uh, the current health of the club. Now, as we mentioned, Nikolai Ehlers does not seem to be ready to play tonight he's apparently doubtful to play in the game on thursday which i would say is doubly concerning considering we're just three days out uh but you know bones was asked about perfetti and ehlers in particular trying to get and develop chemistry while not playing any preseason games together that's, that's all we have. That's all we have, right? That's all the time they have together is in practice. So we we always try to set up as many game situations as we can in our practices, especially during training camp. And that's they're going to have to make the best of it. But it, it's it, the onus is on everyone to come to the rink ready to work and ready to get prepared for the season. Uh, there's a little bit more, more onus now on Nick because he's missed most of training camp, hasn't played any games, doesn't look like he's going to be able to play on Thursday. So uh, the practice time now is invaluable. All right, so there's Bones breaking down, uh, you know, certainly the challenges for those players. But that bit at the end to me, Reem, was by far the most concerning that they're already essentially ruling him out right now for Thursday's game. So if they're ruling him out for Thursday's game, how sure can we be that it'll be ready to go for next Wednesday in Calgary? I'm trying to stay positive. About this hustler, like you say, I see Styles T and Chad are just about the the flu going around. He says, you know, get it out of the system before the season starts. And I mean, I don't know uh, what's going to happen with Nikolai Ehlers. You hope that with this, what was the first day of camp last Thursday? And, you know, what is it, like three weeks here in between the day one? I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like we've kind of been doing this before waiting for him. To return, which sucks, because he only played, what, all excited, okay, he's going to be healthy, 17 minutes into camp, 
but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we can't be sure, and but you hope that he can play. I don't know. I don't know what answer I can really give. Yeah, listen, if he's ready to go for next Wednesday and things go well, it'll be a big who cares. Yeah. But when you consider some of the, the – I mean, there's been a Murphy's Law um, vibe to, to Ehlers at times over the last couple of years. He's so damn good when he's in the lineup and able to play. They absolutely need him to really be the offensive catalyst on that line. And um, we haven't seen him yet so far. So basically it's fingers crossed that Nikolai Ehlers will be able to go. Uh, Mike McIntyre and John Liu kind of press bones a little bit for updates on uh, what's going on with Ehlers. So, Brett, did he, would you consider, like, did he have a setback, or is this just kind of... We're, we're very, very cautious with it, but if right. he shows up and he still feels it, then we, you know, we, we got to get this thing fixed. So one way or the other, if it's more time off, then it's more time off. Rick, uh, with uh, Nick questionable for Thursday as well, is he going to see additional... I don't know, specialists or any other medical personnel to try to get out more. Yeah, well, they're doing everything they can with him. They'll see, you know, he's, he's, had the, he's had some, every doctor look at him, so they feel like they're on top of it, and they'll just take, take the procedures they need to, to get this thing healed a little quicker. Well, uh, it sounds like it's all hands on deck in the Jets' medical department for Nikolai Ehlers, and I mean, listen, I, I don't really know much about the neck spasms or exactly what is bothering him. Um, I can tell it is, I mean, certainly when we heard from Nikolai Ehlers last week, it was, I mean, he was sick and tired of dealing with it and probably sick of talking about it. Uh, but then you see Bones, um, you know, he's putting on a brave face. You can only do what you have control under. Um, but man, that is not the way the Winnipeg Jets wanted to be going into training camp or going into the regular season with a big question mark beside one of their most important offensive players playing with a brand new center who's moving into that role for the first time. No, and you definitely not. You want him to be healthy. They need him to score goals. We've talked a lot last season has their record when they were scoring what, uh, you know, two, two goals in a game. They usually won, but they just had trouble getting the number two, and when they did, uh, weren't able to get there, they would lose. So, you know, you need that guy. He's expecting him to take a bigger, you know, bigger role now that Blake Wheeler's gone. Maybe get some power play one time, and he hasn't been able to practice. And I agree. Hopefully, you know, he plays game one, and all this speculation and all this talk about scores a goal will laugh. Remember how nervous yeah. and concerned everyone was a week ago when so, he just couldn't play in the preseason? I mean, hopefully, hopefully, that's yeah. what we're saying. So, I'm just trying to, yeah, that's why I'm kind of just trying to stay. Positive here because they're saying, hey, you know what? It's preseason. Like, no one in the NFL plays in the preseason. Like, why? Like, we're talking about preseason here, Hus, not the regular season, preseason. So, you just hope that he's, this is, if you're going to get hurt, this is a good time to get all this stuff out and you hope that he's healthy. (laughs) And I mean, that's all you can say. That's all we can, hopefully, they're, sounds like they're dealing with it. And if he is injured, I don't know. They got, well, they, they have a, definitely have a problem. You know, they definitely miss his scoring. In the lineup, so we'll see. I was about to say, oh, I can always throw Harkins into that spot. He's been on fire in the preseason. Oh, wait a second. No, <laughs> he's on the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you're tuning in a little bit late, right off the top of the show, we learned that uh, Jansen Harkins claimed by the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he'll get an opportunity to uh, play in the NHL again. The spot wasn't for him here in Winnipeg. Kyle Dubas giving Hark an opportunity with Pittsburgh 
to begin the season. Uh, one more clip here. We just talked about Perfetti, um, you know, being in at center, not able to play as of yet with Nikolai Ehlers, although he has played extensively with Nino Niederreiter. Uh, Bones talked a little bit more about uh, Cole Perfetti and the challenges moving forward at center. Uh, he's handled it fine so far. Tonight will be the real test. So regardless, you know, tonight we're going to see a National Hockey League lineup. So tonight in Calgary is going to be the true test, and it'll be. This is what we want. We want him up against really good National Hockey League lineups, and he's going to get it tonight, and he'll get it again on Thursday. So uh, then we'll have a we'll have a he'll have a better feel, and we'll have a better feel of where we are with that. All right, so there's bones on uh, you know Cole Perfetti playing it, and again, this is like we were talking about for Billy Hanel and for Logan Stanley. Um, these are live bullets tonight um, for the most part. This is an NHL team they're going to be facing pretty much top to bottom. Um, so we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, we won't see what happens with Ehlers as part of that group. Number seven here, Reem uh, Perfetti um, spoke as well today and uh, you know talked about the challenges of finding chemistry with Ehlers and getting going on or getting off on the right foot um, while not having any time to play games in the preseason so far. It's been tough, obviously, with his uh, with his injury there. Like, it's kind of frustrating for him. I think, like, you know, he feels good, but um, you know, I don't really know. Like, he's on the ice with us and stuff like that. But just being extra cautious, I think. So, um, it sucks. Obviously, not being able to, you know, use these last couple of weeks and you know a bunch of games to get used to playing with one another. But um, you know, I don't think we're. No, as uh, as much as it sucks, we're not. I don't think everyone's too worried because because of his skill, because of his, uh, you know, the way he what he brings to the game and what you know he's going to bring to our line. I think uh, you know we're, we're going to be all right. He's going to bring in that element of speed and, and playmaking and skill. So um, you know, it sucks obviously not being able to, to build a little bit of chemistry, but you know, hopefully we play together on Thursday and then you know still have a whatever it is a week before camp to or before the first game to. Uh, um, keep building in practice and stuff like that but you know um it's been tough but you know hopefully everything just goes goes all right with him all right um you know listen it was a great answer from cole He's certainly getting a lot more comfortable in front of the media right now uh and and his his patented style of wearing the hat so the front of his hair looks amazing inside the backwards hat is definitely on point um but I do sort of feel for him. I mean, there is a lot riding on his performance, Remus, uh, the performance of that line, and um, did speak to, uh, you know, the difficulties and what can you do, but, um, you know, of not having your line right there to, uh, you know, to play and get a little familiar with each other in the new positions heading into uh, the start of the regular season. That is, that's a good point, Us. I mean, a lot riding on him moving to center. You know, he has played center, you know, for you know, before being drafted, and he's kind of been playing wing. I mean, he had a great season last year. He has 30 points in 51 games. He was among the leaders for rookies for points. He gets hurt, you know, missed the game. but And now, what, you, you get tapped on this big role for second-line center, the the question that we've been talking about all summer, and it finally revealed, and he's going to be playing with Nikolai Ehlers. Well, they can't even practice now. So, I mean, you know, how many minutes realistically would they be playing together in preseason? Like, if they played two games, like, 30 minutes at five on five. Yeah, something May- like maybe. that. Maybe, like, so I don't think... But it... add in the practice time, too. I mean, it's That's not true. like he's been able to be in there and practice. I mean, this is essentially going to be going in cold. Um, but again, like Bone said, I mean, you can feel a little bit of exasperation mm-hmm. in his voice. 
Um, it is what it is. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it with Hammer, who is uh, on deck to, uh, to join us. I will also get into the uh, Bombers situation. Huge week for the Blue and Gold. Coming off that win against Toronto, a matchup that is expected to determine where the West Final will take place against the BC Lions coming up on Friday. Just before we bring Jeff in, got to give a big shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on either Pemina Highway or on the east side of the city over on Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You're going to have to get in this week. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com. And uh, you can give them a follow on Instagram as well, over at Modern Man Barbershops. Well, another absolutely glorious weekend. I mean, Friday night at the stadium was ridiculous. Yesterday, Saturday, absolutely gorgeous. And uh, I did see a few people out in the pool on the weekend. Now, pool time pretty much done for the year, I would say. But if you are thinking about a pool for next year, you can take the plunge with the experts over at Aquatech. What you might not know is that Aquatech also is the masters of whole home renovations. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. So if you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And yeah, it was another beautiful Manitoba weekend. And of course, Manitoba Batteries been powering us through the fun part of the year with batteries for boats and lawn tractors and campers and ATVs and more. Well, you know what's coming now, folks. That is the winter. And make sure you are ready for winter with a juiced up battery. Of course, Manitoba Battery can test your battery and let you know where you're at with that. And if you do need one, Manitoba Battery is your local option for the best prices in town and the best service in town as well. Any, uh, Not only will you get the best price on whatever battery you're getting, and that is a guarantee from Donnie and the gang, uh, they'll also deliver it to you anywhere inside the perimeter, absolutely free. For any purchase over 60 bucks, it's that easy. Find out more and order online at manitobabattery.com. You can give them a call at 783-8787 or pop by and see them over at on Logan Avenue. And uh, hey, shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. Uh, I was not off base with my prediction that uh, they better have a lot of CC for that game on Friday night. What a crowd at IG Field. The Rum Hut was rocking till well after the game. And a lot of people enjoying the CC and ginger ale premixed cocktails in cans. Of course, you can get the full selection of Canadian club products, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, at your local Manitoba liquor marts. And keep your eyes out for CC and ginger in cans at your local beer store as well. All right, let's get the hammer in here for a, a little Monday hammer time. What's up? How was your weekend? I thought you were gonna you were leading into my intro based on all that beautiful weather, and then we're gonna follow up with uh, with how my you know wonderful weathered weekend went. But then it was it was a, a one of those smooth transitions into an ad read. So it was just you know those are I don't know if you're practicing those in the mirror hus or if those are just coming out. It's I've a gift. Come out it's a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. You certainly can't teach that. But uh, yeah, what a weekend! What a what an awesome weekend! I uh, kept thinking when I'm gonna put my bike away. 
Uh, looks like probably next weekend, but certainly took advantage of that this weekend. What a great weekend of sports. Uh, I did st- spend most of the day inside yesterday, as, as those who watch NFL do, so I didn't take full advantage of that weather, but certainly was, uh, was enjoying it through Friday and Saturday, that's for sure. Overall, just a great weekend. What's the uh, garage sale scene like in early October? Is that pretty much done, or uh, is there still a, a great deal or find still on the streets if you if you look hard enough? Free weekend usually marks an end to the season, but there are some some hardcore sailors out there. There's some hardcores that put on sales out there that once you know they're looking at the weather two weeks in advance, and if we're looking at especially double digit positive numbers they're going to be uh the waters are going to be rolling so certainly uh certainly garage sales are still out but after the september long weekend usually or the weekend after that it's uh it kind of it kind of uh tapers down to uh to only a few so it's those ones that you see out on the waters every weekend you'll see the same people out there usually the uh the casual sailors if you will uh have packed it already in after august but yeah we're uh we, we welcome garage sales in october if the weather uh weather allows for it no doubt about it um listen i want to get to the bombers from a friday night and and as importantly i look ahead to this week um but let's quickly start off with the jets and we were just playing some of these comments from rick bonus mm. about the availability of nikolai ehlers and i i i have to admit jeff that this is something, eh, listen, I know different teams handle injuries and information differently. You know, at the start, he was out there. Then it was 17 minutes. He was off. You missed a few practices. He was back in a non-contact jersey on the weekend or heading into the weekend. Everything seemed fine. And now he's not playing tonight. Has basically been ruled out already for Thursday. I mean, what do you make of this? And maybe more importantly, how... How much of a setback is this for a team that puts so much importance on Nikolai Ehlers? And as we just talked about, playing with a new center in a new position, not really the ideal way to uh, get ready for prime time next Wednesday in Calgary. Well, isn't it starting to feel a lot like the, tw- the start of the 2022-23 20 t- season, right? When it looked like Nikolai Ehlers was okay at the beginning. And then I don't know if it was misdiagnosed or just not handled accordingly or properly, or they were still trying to rule things out, but then he was all of a sudden out and didn't come back for, for quite some time with the hernia. So to me, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think of in these situations, particularly in this situation, uh, I kind of feel bad for Nikolai Ehlers just because this is a guy who's, I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He, you know, he's a guy who's not afraid to go into the corner. So you, you can't, you know, not that you necessarily go towards whether it's a toughness issue with injuries, but there are injuries out there that some players are willing to play through. Other players aren't. I don't put him in a category as a guy that's, you know, isn't willing to play through pain or isn't willing to go through, you know, it needs to be necessarily a hundred percent. I just see this as bad luck. And I mean, this is a time of the season, particularly this time of the season with, with preseason and, and, you know, yes, there's, these are important weeks, of course, to to find chemistry with new line mates, to just get ready for the season, dust off some of that rust from a long off season, and and you know, hit, essentially to be cliche, hit the ground running for when things really matter. But that's kind of the point here is that things don't really matter, uh, you know, until that first regular season game against Calgary. And I, and with a player like Nikolai Ehlers, to what you were saying, Haas, I mean, he is going to be such a big piece of the puzzle. He has been such a big piece of the puzzle. And I, I'd add even more. 
um, you know, with the uncertainty maybe around Mark Shifley and his future, obviously with Pierre-Luc Dubois and his offense going out the door, uh, you know, he was going to be relied on even more and, and particularly on special teams as well. So this isn't good news for the Jets. It isn't good news for Nikolai Ehlers, but I still t- still very much take the wait and see approach. Um, I don't think it's one of those things that's necessarily going to be a, you know, going to keep him out for, for a lengthy amount of time. And you still do feel like, a, you know, especially out of some of the interviews, they're not all good news, obviously, but you feel um, and mostly bad news, but uh, you do get the sense that they're being precautionary and, and making sure that they're not pushing it for, you know, for these games just to get him into a preseason game. The last thing you'd want is for him to, to, to um, re-injure himself or make the injury worse. Uh, so I, I, I do, I still do, I still do very much take a wait and see approach with this, but just with what everything we've seen with Nikolai Ehlers over the past few seasons and specifically last season, you know, this isn't this isn't good news for the start of a of a new campaign for him. Well, uh, for sure, and I mean, you know, he's going to be so linked to Cole Perfetti right now, who's had his fair share of injury issues in the past. But um, you know, with the exception of that uh, cheap shot hit that knocked him out of that Calgary game and gave him a one day reprieve from training camp, he has been there. And um, you know, it's it's going to be a big adjustment, a big challenge for Cole and. You know, I wonder maybe if this gives him more rope at the beginning of the season. The bottom line is for Rick Bonus, he wants this team to be ready to go and playing to their potential right out of the gate. He doesn't want this to be glorified preseason where you're just getting to know your line mates and not an easy spot for Cole to be in because as I just mentioned with Michael, I mean, there's a lot riding on Cole Perfetti. I mean, he is unbelievably important. They need that line to um, you know, to be productive and to you know, achieve what they think that they're capable of right now. And as we've been kind of talking about, not the uh, not the greatest way to uh, build chemistry and confidence in a group if they can't get into any game action. Well, to your point, you know, I, it would be curious to know just how much of Nikolai Ehlers' availability on that wing um, plays into whether, you know, the confidence that Rick Bonus has of Cole Perfetti playing down the middle. Because we know that, there's always the potential for a, a Cole Perfetti to pop up to that top line, drop a Gabriel, you know, Velarde down to the second line. Potentially, you have Nemestikov, who's also played second line center for this team in the past. I mean, there are some options, but you know, Cole Perfetti and taking that next step as a centerman, like the time is now, right? I mean, this is, you know, he's gone through obviously some seasons filled with injuries. Comes back has a great off season, you know, feeling stronger. He had that, I guess you can call it a minor step, you know step back with the with the uh, with the cheap shot again in, in preseason but you know it's it's good news that he's healthy but is his is he you know is that confidence level that I mentioned with bonus is that you know where is that if he doesn't have you know a driver a puck carrier like a you know Nikolai Ehlers who can gain the offensive zone um, you know as good as anybody in this in, in the NHL and and how much that factors into to again that confidence he has in Cole Perfetti playing down the middle that being said I mean Again, I, I, it's it's not good. The season is coming up fastly approaching. It's not good news that Nikolai Ehlers is is ruled out for the preseason. But the focus right now might just be to get him ready for that that you know that regular season. And I don't think he needs a lot of time with with Cole Perfetti per se. I know it's a bit of a new position from him, but hockey's still very much hockey, and they can learn that on the fly. It's just it, the the issue with Nikolai Ehlers being in and out of the lineup, while it, it has that potentially has that ripple effect for a guy like Cole Perfetti, I think it has a ripple effect for the entire forward line because the way it's you know constructed right now, you really like you really like the top three lines and how they're you know you know the makeup of them and and the potential of them to be 
maybe three potentially scoring lines, or at least you know bring it, have that third line with Iafalo bring some some offensive touch to it, if, especially if Adam Lowry can regain some of that touch he had in the second half of the season. Um, and then you had a fourth line that was you know a pretty good grinding line that could be relied on. I'm not saying that necessarily taking out a Nikolai Ehlers completely throws that in flux, but it does. I think take away from that vision that Bonus has um, for his game day start, and hopefully, um, what what will grow to be this this team's you know ultimate game day roster. But again, this is I think it's a little premature. Obviously, it's worrisome, but that's what happens when you're talking about the you know the player with the with as much influence and and um, you know in that lineup into this team's success as a Nikolai Ehlers does for sure. Hey, uh, great crowd right now. We got. 425 in the chat right now. We only got Uh-oh. 85 thumbs up, folks. Let's give a thumbs up. And if you haven't already, folks, hit that subscribe button. Help us get to 10,000 before puck drop on Wednesday. It's free. It's easy. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll be eligible to win great prizes with us on Fridays for Marbles and more things for WST subscribers. Um, I'm not sure if you caught that right at the start of the program, uh, but just as we began at the top of the hour, um, word came out that the uh, first waiver wire claim had been done, and Jansen Harkins is now going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about the opportunity for Harkins there and the fact that he won't be a part of the Manitoba Moose after being such a, I mean, he was their top goal scorer in only half the games last year? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think because of Jansen Harkins and where he's been, with this within this organization over the last couple of years, a bubble guy, and then you know from a bubble guy to a guy who was you know got some you know got some meaningful ice time a few years back, and then became a bubble guy, and then ultimately kind of fell out of favor as you know in that top thirteen role, or particularly that thirteenth role for him. Um, you know, I think it was it's it's just the time has come. Whether you want to call it overdue, I think because of that position in, he had within the organization, you didn't hear a lot about him. I don't think. You know, I think there's certainly some fans out there that like the energy that a Jansen Harkins brings, liked, you know, like what he brought maybe to the third or fourth line and, you know, in, in, in that capacity, a little bit of scoring touch at the NHL level, but certainly an energy guy. I just don't think, you know, that there's been much written about him or talked about him. And if there had been, you'd probably, you'd probably know that, you know, he neither was really happy with one another, right? This is a, this is a bit of a breakup, right? I mean, this is a guy who, you know, as soon as you get a taste of the NHL and, and what, Jansen Harkins has 154 games played in this league, you, you don't want to go back to the HL. So I think last season was certainly a tough pill to swallow under a new head coach. You know, everybody showed up to camp almost under a, a clean slate trying to, you know, impress the, the, the coach. And, and obviously, you know, Jansen Harkins fell outside of, you know, Rick Bonus's vision for for his team and, and the success of his team so once that happened I mean I, I think he had Jansen Harkins if he wasn't asking for a trade he was he was definitely nudging his agent to to talk to this team about getting them out of here because you know at, at his age you know you're creeping up there in your late 20s there's only so much you know time left on the runway and and you know when you get that opportunity at the NHL level and then you slip back into the AHL it's tough to get back up there I mean Dylan Sandberg said this week it's hard to get a it's hard to get a job in in the NHL. It's even tougher to keep one. That's cliche because it's true. And I think, you know, with, with Jansen Harkins and what he was able to do with the Moose last year, particularly with his offense, I think he led the team with 25 goals and was second on the team with, you know, I believe, just under 70 or whatever it was. And, and you know, he's a point-of-game player. But I think a lot of the offense that he was earning out there, if you were to talk to the Jets brass, was probably not the way – 
in which they want him to generate offense. So read between the lines, maybe a little bit of cheating for offense at the AHL level rather than, you know, playing within the structure because, you know, he deserved, he deserved, a, you know, a chance to come up with the way he was playing at the end of the season. And, and Dominique Toninato got the, got the nod, right? Like he earned it. So I think that probably was, that probably was the, you know, the, I don't, I don't know, the straw that broke the camel's back, understanding that he wasn't going to be a guy that, uh, you know, was going to be in this team's long-term future. And I'm sure he's smiling today, knowing that the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, you know, want him and, and are likely to give him an opportunity to crack their roster. One that I don't think, um, you know, was here in Winnipeg, given all the talent they have up front. Well, yeah. And, and, and you know what? I mean, I'll say this about going to Pittsburgh. I mean, this is... This is exactly the sort of opportunity I'm sure he was praying to get. I mean, you're going to a team that has some superstar players, has some mm. massive contracts, which totally. got even more crowded with Eric Carlson coming in. So when you got all these guys starting with eights and nines and tens in their salary, you need to have some league minimum dudes that can come in and contribute. Um, that's just the way that the salary cap works on a team that, you know, is so top heavy. So he's going to get a chance. And, you know, when I think back of, of Harkin's time here in Winnipeg, um, I, I mean, I think about that season that he had with the Moose, um, started off in 1920 and was a point-a-game player. We were not talking about him at all in training camp that year as being a possibility for the Winnipeg Jets. And by the end of November, he was there and he played himself into a regular spot on the club. 2021-22, that was his year to really establish himself as an NHL regular. And, I mean, he played 77 games. He had seven goals. He had 13 points. Never really clicked, though. I mean, that fourth line. And to your point, I mean, when he was playing in the American Hockey League, he was playing, you know, on a top line, on power play. Very different than that role that was going to be for him in the National Hockey League. So right. um, maybe he gets that different opportunity in Pittsburgh. Maybe there, the holes in that lineup provide him the chance to get up there with some guys, unlike the chances that he would have had in Winnipeg. Uh, but the bottom line is he was well down the depth chart, and that that the path to being on the team got a hell of a lot more crowded for any of those guys in that situation. The minute the Jets got three forward pieces coming back in the trade yeah. for Pierre-Luc uh, Pierre Dubois. Um, going into this game tonight, and Bones sort of talked about this, this is, you know, a chance, speaking about Perfetti, you know, going up against, you know, a real NHL team tonight. I mean, Calgary's pretty much dressing their roster that we'll expect to see in nine days when these teams open the season back at the Saddledome in Calgary. Um, I'm interested to see Billy Hanela and, of course, Logan Stanley, who may very well be playing together tonight, Jeff, on mm. that third pairing. Um, Billy, by all accounts, has had another really, really strong camp. Or not another. I mean, I think a, a strong camp. I'm not sure he really had a strong camp last year, regardless. Um, all of our conversations all summer long was... Sort of like, I mean, we pretty much know what's going to happen. There's no room for Billy. He can play with the Moose. He is waivers exempt, unlike everybody else in that situation. Um, but it does seem, and certainly from the comments from Bones over the weekend, that Billy's played himself into, into an opportunity to potentially be on that team. Um, what do you make of his spot right now? Um, and is this lip service? I mean, trying to you know, say a lot of nice things for a player that probably deserves that, but it's not realistic that he'll be with the club? Or is Billy Hanela 
kind of seeing some of his potential shine right now and making them legitimately think that he might make this team better and he should be on the ice. Can it be both? <laughs> you know, I mean, because I'm not – look, I, I mean, I think Billy Hainel is going to have to not just – he's going to have to play like a top four defenseman, you know, to be on this team. And I just don't – to be in the starting lineup, to be in – be carried because as you mentioned, Huss, there's a lot of things that are attached to him staying as part of that 23 man roster. Of course, he's the one guy really in the conversation that, you know, is, is waivers exempt. So he can, you know, freely go to and from the Manitoba moose. And that leaves a, an already, you know, and if he is the guy that they want to bring on the 23 man roster, that leaves an already busy blue line, even busier. I mean, look at the, just simple math. I mean, if you want to look at if you know Dylan Sandberg's made his way and you know solidified himself into that top six, you look at the rest of the bodies. We all know their names. It's going to take an injury to one of those players, I imagine, because um, I just don't see Rick Bonus starting camp giving Billy Hainala a you know a thumbs up and and ultimately having to most likely sit like a, you know, a Nate Schmidt or a, you know, I don't think Sandberg is going to get bumped for him. So it's going to be, a, you know, an established guy. And Nate Schmidt's name seems to be the one floating out there. He's dealing with some injuries here during camp. Um, you know, it comes with a nearly $6 million, you know, a year contract. Do you want that guy sitting in the press box? I'm not 100% sure. How does that you know, how what does that do to team morale? Like, I'm not saying that people are going to be bitter if Vili Hanela you know, works his way onto the lineup. But, you know, there are certain certain moves you do for certain players as far as veteran status. I know fans don't like that. I don't like that. But the reality is, is, is I think that Bonus is just kind of saying nice things. And I'm not saying that he's, he's you know, lying or that he's misleading the media and, and therefore the fans with his evaluations of Billy Hanel. I think he wants it for him to continue to play with confidence, continue to be a guy that, can be relied on every night. I just don't think that trust is is coming in the last, you know, the last couple few games he's played. And is it enough to, you know, want to keep him as a, a guy who isn't dressing every game? That's certainly what you don't want is for him to be the the seventh defenseman. And that's the dilemma that the Jets find themselves in with guys like Declan Chisholm, guys like Logan Stanley, guys like Kyle Capabianco, and now a guy like Billy Hainala, all of whom don't have right now at least penned in a spot in the top six. So it's great that Billy Hainala is, is, you know, coming along, uh, playing well, building that, you know, growing that confidence with his head coach. But it, is it going to be enough to sit another guy, you know, like a Nate Schmidt, possibly a Dylan Sandberg, um, you know, has he done enough to leapfrog those guys? Some fans might say yes, but from a team dynamic, that's going to be a tough conversation to have, especially when you're working with all these numbers, you don't want to lose you know, you don't want to lose uh, a player like you lost in Johnny Kovacevic last year. So you start weighing out who you who you want to, you know, if you take a Vili Hainala, you either have to trade Logan Stanley or, or, or trade a Declan Chisholm, which I don't think you're interested in doing at all. At the, In this case, I almost feel like Declan Chisholm might be ahead of Vili Hainala as far as, you know, where he fits in the mix here, especially because he's not waiver exempt. So it really is a weird situation for Vili Hainala. I think you, we've been saying that now for – for two or three seasons at least, uh, you know, free Hanela, uh, all, all, all those all those Twitter accounts, all the people who want to see this this first-round pick finally crack the lineup. It just seems weirdly that years later, as he's matured and, and continued to improve, that the situation seems 
even more difficult than it was a few years back. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I do wonder, I mean, if we, if we were just watching training camp, and I know there's a lot more that goes into that, but if we're judging based on camp and we're comparing Villy to Declan Chisholm, um, I actually think Villy's ahead of Declan. Just listen, I think Declan at some point so far in this preseason, again, some lineups that haven't really been, shall we say, NHL caliber has had some, and this is a knock we've heard on Villy before. I mean, some of the issues have been on defending. He did make some really nice plays. Um, certainly the Parker Ford goal in the game against Calgary was started on a great blue line turnover takeaway by Chisholm and a quick pass. Villy seems to have been a bit more steady. And maybe we're seeing that tonight with the fact that those two guys are in the lineup and Declan Chisholm is out. The thing with Chisholm is that if you if you take that chance at putting him on waivers, you might lose him. And this is very different than a guy like Jansen Harkins, who's been in the National Hockey League, who's been given a bunch of opportunities. I mean, I, I, I listen, I don't think this is... I mean, some people will say, oh, this is terrible asset management. I mean, trust me, if there was a fifth or a sixth-round pick out there for Jansen Harkins, the team would have taken it because he's not in their plans. Declan Chisholm very much is in their plans. Now, whether those plans include the next month, we'll find out. But that's a risky proposition. And um, But, I mean, for me, I kind of give Billy the nod, and that's why I think there is a little bit more substance to what the coaches are saying right now, even if it ends up as Billy being the odd man out to play. The one thing you I don't think you want with either of those guys, Jeff, is to be on the Jets but mired behind a healthy top six and not getting a chance to play and just basically being popcorn duty and bag skate guys. That's the last thing you want, and that's part of the dilemma of having such a veteran-laden defense that the Winnipeg Jets have. I mean, this is was conversation over the last couple off-seasons, having to dump ever since they had the summy, summy, the summer of Chevy in picking up, you know, Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. The, the, two, in, the two following off-seasons have been trying to clear out the blue line. They're trying to figure out space for these up-and-coming up players. Like, mm-hmm. Billy Hainala and Declan Chisholm are two guys that, for all intents and purposes, should be the considered the future of the Winnipeg Jets, especially when you have expiring contracts for guys like Dylan and eventually Nate Schmidt to leave. I mean, what's the backup plan here? Are you just going to go out and find those guys again that, you know, they're kind of on the back nine of their careers and while they still have some value to them that, you know, these guys, you don't know where their ceiling is yet. You you know, that there's an there should be an excitement from the fact that you've drafted and developed these guys as well. And so, you know, that's why this camp has been so interesting. You know, you have two players in, you know, uh, obviously Connor Hellebach and Mark Scheifele have, have garnered a lot of attention for their expiring deals and what their futures could be. I mean, if you are making a deal with either one of those players, are you not looking at your blue line and, and maybe adding in one of those veteran pieces? Uh, because right now, I mean, I don't know. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, are you all that thrilled with your blue line over the last few years? You might be happy with the veteran you know, the experience there, but are you not looking to maybe find out what you got in a Declan Chisholm? Because that's kind of been the, the hit on the moose is, you know, on a guy like Jansen Harkins, he's not really an example of this because he did get that 77 game season to really show, you know, what he could do at this level. But there's been a lot of guys that have just kind of come up and not really seen a chance to crack this roster. And as much as your focus and your focus needs to be on, on the NHL team, what's, what's kind of the, What's the situation on, on the farm and how those players are feeling about their potential opportunities? Because if they're looking at a guy like 
Declan Chisholm, who can't get in, a guy like Dilly Hainala, who was a first-round pick years back and had made the team out of camp all those years ago. I mean, I, you know, again, I think it's something that maybe isn't the most pressing thing on their plate, but it's something I think they need to consider when making some of these decisions that obviously are being made and what they believe is the best, you know, the best team, um, the best chance to uh, to compete for a, for a Stanley Cup this season. You know, um, you know, and you know, I asked about Vili and Declan Chisholm because they're, I, I don't want to say they're identical players, but, you know, they're smaller, younger, more offensive defensemen. Um, Logan Stanley's in a very different situation. More experienced, um, has had far more NHL games, um, was in a spot to start the last year and is going the other way on the depth chart right now. Um, where Where is he at right now? And, and Jeff, what do you uh, expect to happen when it pertains to Logan Stanley over the course of the next 10 days? See, I think that's like that's the part that if you're a Jets fan, you'd be, you, you know, you, how, how can you not be frustrated with? Clearly, Logan Stanley is not in the future of this club's plans, you know, in the in their in their future vision here. And and while his name's certainly been floated out there for potential trade deals, whether it's just trying to trade him for a, a pick or or whether he's been, you know, tossed in as a potential sweetener on, on, a, on a different deal with the Winnipeg Jets. But the reality is, is that they don't really have a spot for him and haven't had a spot for him. And it's just like they're kind of holding this guy's career hostage a little bit, believing he's – it's just a weird contradiction. It's like they believe he's good enough to hold on to – but not good enough to play. And it's just like, where, you know, is it because of his size? Is it because they obviously traded up for him and that for, to, to select him in the first round that they just don't want to admit that they were wrong in their assess, assessment, but it's almost kind of like crapper get off the pot with this guy. I mean, is he, is he in the mix? Do you view him as a top six guy? Do you view him as a guy who, who can mentally handle like Kyle Capobianco was, they liked him and he, he brought some value, but one of his biggest assets in a way was his ability to be that seventh D man and not play night in and night out and continue to act like a pro and not have that way on him. You know, there's so just some players out there that are capable of doing that Logan Stanley. Well, I'm sure, you know, I'm not saying he's completely incapable of doing that clearly doesn't want to do that, you know, hence asking for a trade last season. So there's obviously not a market for him. The Jets haven't created a market for him to play him enough to, to really show what his value is. And yet they keep, they clearly keep him at a, you know, a level that doesn't warrant a high draft pick. Cause you got to think at this point, they would be taking a high draft pick, whether that's, you know, a sixth round or seventh round or whatever, um, you know, that obviously either hasn't been offered or hasn't been accepted and that just puts it in a weird situation, you know. Here, you know, what exactly is Logan Stanley? Well, there's certainly fans out there that will be quick to tell you he's useless, or you know, or, or that he's, you know, he's given his size and his ability to move his stick and whatnot. That he is an asset, and he put, you know, his physicality is needed. Seems to be a little bit of a polarizing player in this city. The reality is, is the Jets have kind of already decided on him. They've decided that he's not a guy that they want to see too much about. That it's worst case scenario to get him in the lineup and why he's still on the roster and hasn't been traded off is, you know, is, is wild to me. And, and I don't have any answers well, maybe for it. There's no market. Well, that's I it. That's I, that's I, that. I have no answers for it despite, you know, other than there being absolutely zero market for him. Like I, I have no doubt that some team would take a flyer on him for nothing on waivers. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe over the course of this week, 
after this game, after the Thursday game, if the Jets look at their situation and go, we simply don't have room on this roster for Logan Stanley, even as a depth piece because of what it will force us to do with some of these other guys. Um, so, and you have to be prepared to lose them for nothing to make that pick, and then maybe you're making some phone calls, and there's a team that'll toss you a fifth or a sixth, or you've got something. I mean, I guess from a management standpoint, that would look better than just cutting him and well, having him leave on waivers. Well, it's a tough pill to swallow, regardless the fact that you traded up for him, and now all these years later, you're you're, yeah, get, you're I getting mean, rid of him. I get that, but it gets to a certain point where it's 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 clearly hurting you more than it's helping you. And while it might help out another team, I mean you got to start thinking about the player too and his potential to move on and start a career somewhere. I mean, it's just, he's, it's not here in Winnipeg and it hasn't been here in Winnipeg. And I don't think there's a, 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 a chance as we talk about guys like Chisholm and Billy Hainala, Sandberg, all these guys who have leapfrogged him on the depth chart, seemingly that, you know, at the end of the day, if you have him as your 10th D man, do you really think that, or ninth, 10th D man, do you really think that your defense is so good that all of a sudden this guy is going to be some juggernaut somewhere else? Time to cut bait a little bit here and, and see where, you know, see where the chips lie. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, the irony uh, of it all is when you mention ninth and 10th D men is that, you know, if any contending team that's going to be making a long run in the playoffs, you actually need to have players that deep because, I mean, in the in the the, the attrition competition that is the Stanley Cup playoffs, guys go down and you, you need guys to step up. Like, I mean, if you're playing your ninth or tenth guys, you're probably in a real dire situation. But at the same time, um, you're there. But the minute guys are waivers exempt, I mean, you can't just have them hang out with the Manitoba Moose or the American Hockey League until in case of emergency break class um, if they're not going to clear. So, right. I mean, that, that it, you know, it is funny that the amount of conversations that we and the rest of the guys have had with us on this program about the defense grouping, um, and we're now into October of 2023, nine days from the beginning of the season. And we literally have no more clarity than we did at the beginning of camp at the end of last season. (laughs) And it's going to come right down to the wire, I guess. Yeah, there has been none. I mean, there it's, this team is, you know, and there's, there's plenty to like about this team. I mean, the way the roster configures, especially after what would seem to be a difficult situation with Pierre-Luc Dubois and bringing back assets, bringing back assets in the way the Jets wanted them to be, brought in guys who could play guys who they could plug in and that, that they could continue to compete for a playoff spot and therefore a Stanley cup opportunity. But, you know, at the end of the day, the defense has just been a real head scratcher because there are, you know, there's just been the same names that have been talked about and just seemingly just, I don't know if you even want to classify it as doghouse, but hasn't, hasn't been able to find, you know, steady work or, or made an impression or earn the trust of coaches. And you got to remember, we're not talking about one coach here, right? We're not talking about one talent evaluator coming in and, you know, throughout this entire process and just maybe not being Paul Maurice's guy. We now have Paul Maurice, we have Dave Lowry, and now we have Rick Bonus, and they've all seemed to make the same um, assessments with the same players. So, you know, maybe there is something that, you know, needs to change or there's some maturity there, whatever it might be, and whether it be in the game or the person or both. But uh, certainly... It's getting to a point now where it's just is the Logan Stanley narrative is just going to trickle off into dust until something happens because it just again I just given the given the options in front of him guys that are are going to be battling for a you know a seventh spot on a six man lineup 
uh, yeah, don't the, the future doesn't necessarily look bright for Logan Stanley. Yeah, no, I uh, agree with that. Um, Comet asking, what happens to Capo? Um, I, I would imagine, I, I guess this depends on how much of an issue this groin injury is. Mm. Um, I think it, I, he's probably going to be on waivers at some point, I would think, just because of those younger players. I mean, he was a perfect depth guy. I mean, he seemed to be able to miss a, a month and a half and go in and play well and then come back in for another month or into the press box for a month and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, and he's on a one-way deal this year. So well, maybe it's a conversation. Are you sure you're okay? Are you sure? <laughs> are, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't have a minor setback that might get you, you know, six, seven more weeks of, uh, of an NHL paycheck. You sure about that? You sure? Sh- you well, sure the good that, thing that, for him is he's getting the paycheck no matter what because he is well, on a no, one-year no, deal. No, hundred percent. I just way. mean, in, you know, but with, with yeah, right, with with the one-way deal, if he does get waivers, I just mean in general if he likes his position here. But um, you know, that's the thing; those injuries, injuries happen, and so you want deep, you want depth. You clearly want depth, and and I'm sure that's where the Jets are coming at with the Logan Stanley, and and certainly with Kyle Capabianco is that he was a great soldier. You know, he was exactly the guy that they needed. To you know, he wasn't going to be going into the GM's office and and you know asking for a change of scenery and wanting more opportunity. He appreciate everything he had. He certainly he certainly was a guy that mixed in well with the players, right? I mean, I'm not saying a depth guy or a bubble guy has the influence, if you will, to you know to 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 shake a team. But the better you know, you don't want bad vibes in a locker room. And if you have the guy who's you know maybe a leader amongst the extra skaters on the team you don't want you know you don't you, you want that chemistry to be good I mean I I often liken the, the Jets to the Bombers and it's not a fair it's not necessarily a fair comparison but that's the beauty of the Bombers is they've been able to get everybody on their practice roster to buy in and 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 understand how important they are to they are to the team it's like I said when when the dollars are at a much higher value it's and and the you know the potential of earning is is much higher it's it's a lot it's a lot tougher sell to have those guys who are in and out of the lineup or guys that are the extra players to convince them that, you know, they're as much or as important as, as anybody on the team. But that's ultimately the culture you need to foster and one that hopefully under, under you know, Adam Lowry's leadership can be done because that's I think that's a big play to it too is that, you know, Kyle Capobianco was a, was a good soldier, but sometimes you're not always going to have the good soldier be in the – because you don't really want a guy – in that position, not to want more, not to be, you know, want to be hungry, want to get in and demand that stuff. I think the culture of your hockey team is also a big factor in, 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 in those things too. So maybe there is uh you know, maybe there is a, a, an improvement there for the jets too this season. Hey hammer, let's get to the bombers. Um, listen, they, uh, I, as I tweeted out afterwards, good teams, win great teams, cover shout out to Castillo for that late field goal that put them over the top. It was a weird game. We knew it was a buzzkill when game. we knew it was a buzzkill when Chad Kelly wasn't going to be there. And it seemed, I don't know, my perspective in the first half was the bombers were playing as if the Argos were resting everybody on the defensive side of the football. It certainly took them a little while to uh, maybe get up to their level. Um, but man, I, listen, Brady Oliveira just continues to write an incredible story here. What he had almost 170 on the ground. Yeah, um, career high, 169 big, on 25 carries. So 169 for uh, for Brady, a defense that stepped up afterwards. Um, 
But again, Dinwizzle, I mean, taking the starting quarterback out, putting their third string in later on, it was quite obvious that the Argos did not care one way or the other if they won this football game. Um, but what, what are the takeaways from this game for the Bombers? Or do we even need to worry about it? It was a win. That's what they needed to get. And right now, it's all about Friday night in Vancouver. Wow, you really threw the kitchen sink at me there. You should put a timer on my answer because I don't even know <laughs> what to address first. I mean, I'll address the last part first. I think that the goal, obviously, was to 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 get the two points, and those were the most valuable valuable part of the game, of course, as they remain in a tight West Division race with the BC Lions, who are also at 11-4, and four, setting up what will be an, a pretty intense and emotional game this week at BC Place. I, you know, for my money or anyone's for that matter, the winner of that game is probably going to lock up the West with, you know, only a few games remain in the regular season and, and the, the tiebreaker being up for grabs, obviously, as they both split the season series so far, one game apiece. Um, but to the Toronto game, I don't know, man. I mean, what do I want to dive into next? I thought Ryan Dinwiddie's decision to put Brian Scott in, in the fourth quarter was absolutely ridiculous. Um, despite, you know, to be fully transparent, he did say that he was planning to play Brian Scott late in the game. Uh, if people are wondering who Brian Scott is, yeah, go Google him. I couldn't even tell you what team he played for before being on the Argos. I just, you know, this is a guy who is a third stringer. No one really knew much about him. Um, certainly a guy that, um, you know, look, even enough about Brian Scott. The fact that he came in for two series, you know, through four incomplete passes, both drives ended with two and outs pretty much gave the Bombers the opportunity to get back in that game. I mean, I'm not saying Cameron Dukes necessarily would have been, you know, would have played like Doug Flutie as he did the first two drives for Toronto, at least against the Bombers defense. He took exactly what the Bombers gave him. He looked at his one read. If it wasn't there, he abandoned it and ran ran with the ball and, and, you know, and, and certainly playing some audible football on the fly. But, yeah, he looked really good at the beginning. Why he wouldn't be given the opportunity to you know, beat a, a team like the Bombers, um, you know, in his first career start and instead have, you know, have Scott come in and, and ultimately, you know, throw that momentum to the other side and give, you know, the Bombers scored 10 points off those off those uh, punts. I mean, there weren't turnovers, but they got the ball back and, and essentially got back into the game. And then, you know, then, then he brings in Cameron Dukes again for the, you know, after those two drives. And you're just wondering, why are you treating this like an absolute preseason game? That being said, that's what, you know, the CFL is wearing this. I mean, they made their own bed. This is, this is you know, the fact that the East, you know, I would have been hard to predict. The Toronto Argonauts clinching the East with a third of the season remaining, yes, but it wasn't impossible. We've seen how bad the, the East has been over the years. We've seen how good Toronto has been um, the last three seasons is the third straight year they've clinched the division. Um, and the fact that they put this game after Labor Day, like deep into the season, the Grey Cup rematch is just borderline unforgivable. Total so, fail. Total, total, total fail. fail. I mean, written about that, talked about that all last week. But, you know, when you look at the actual game, I mean, yeah, the Bombers offense, I think anybody watching that, myself included, when they, when I saw Zach Claros march up the field on that, on that first drive and score a touchdown with Brady Oliveira, you know, we'll get to him. I thought this was, you know, going to be a route. And then it was far from it. I mean, they didn't, they trailed at halftime. And while the defense, you know, do what they've often done this season, figure things out at halftime, allowing just what, three points or four points or whatever it was in the, uh, in the final two quarters, um, you know, they locked things down, created the turnovers that they're known, you know, known to create and need to create to be effective ultimately. Uh, and then we saw the offense, you know, you know, 
get close but not finish. Obviously, six six field goals by Sergio Castillo. Credit to him for for bouncing back after a tough miss on a fifty two yarder. For him to hit that forty nine yarder in the, late in the third and the forty eighter followed uh, shortly after at the start of the fourth. I think you know chiseled away at the lead and then you know made obviously two smaller kicks after that. But I just you know you know Brady Oliveira just an absolute stud. I think you know when all said and done, I've written about this. We've talked about this. I think just the way he's going, the way he puts it, you know, work into his craft, his ability to play at a high level every single week, the fact that he's only 26 years old. I mean, this guy, you know, I think when all said and done, we're going to be talking about him eclipsing Andrew Harris's records. You know, obviously Andrew Harris was in the house last week. Uh, you know, he's done a lot for this organization and helped bring back that, you know, championship pedigree, um, you know, before leaving to, to Toronto. Uh, last season and then I'll just cap off on this Huss is like I think the biggest takeaway for me ultimately is that if the Bombers manage to you know get to a four straight great cup and assuming that the Toronto Argonauts are there to meet them there for a second straight year I think the talk going into that game is going to be much different than it was in 2022 where you know everyone pretty much crowned the Bombers as as the champions that you know Toronto was too dysfunctional they had a young coach you know they were you know their quarterback wasn't as good as Zach Claris. All those narratives that that were were hanging into that week, I don't think those are going to be quite the same uh, in Hamilton this year for the Grey Cup because I think Toronto proved, despite losing that game, that they are the best team in the CFL and that they can compete with anybody, uh, regardless of what their roster looks like. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're good. I don't know. I mean, they've been great all season long. They lost to Calgary, Vernon Adams threw six picks against them. And listen, that's a defense is a big part of that as well. Um, but as I said, there's only one way to find out, and that's in November at Tim Hortons Field. And uh, hopefully we will get that. Speaking Ooh. of November at Tim Hortons Field, this one's for the chat. Why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery? Um, what's everyone feeling about Green Day as the CFL halftime show for the Grey Cup? I mean, it's almost like a national rite of passage for everyone to lose their mind online when the CFL announces, or in some cases hasn't announced in the past, their halftime show. What does, uh, what does everybody think? Let us know in the chat. Um, so I, full disclosure, I could care less who the halftime show is pretty much every <laughs> single year. I'm usually busy at halftime. Um, Have you watched the halftime show in the last decade? Uh, let me see. I definitely watched it when Shania was on. Okay, so Ottawa, that was sort that was sort of that was sort of noteworthy. Mm-hmm. What was the one where was it Headley or something? What was the one where they had the motorcycles like jumping over? Like I don't even remember who the artist was. I remember the dirt bikes that oh, were don't, uh, doing don't quiz crazy me on. I, I remember Keith Urban being one in Calgary in 2019. I well, I re- you know Shania why I remember Twain. Keith Urban? Not as much Keith Urban's performance. As you did his in-game interview? <laughs> yeah, Glenn Suter losing his mind and being... To be honest, I can't. I haven't seen a, 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 a an on-air TV person as aroused as Glenn Suter until last night, listening to Chris Col- uh, Chris Collinsworth gush over Zach Wilson turning into a legit NFL quarterback oh for half a game God, last night. Man. Did, I, I couldn't. I thought I was like, I he was in love. He was in love. Like some of those passes, like you were talking to. Uh, 
you're talking to an up and coming star here. It was just like him wanting Zach Wilson to be the starting quarterback for the, you know, like almost like we were witnessing history last night. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, the Keith Urban and, and Suits. Yeah, Suits got a little bit uh, excited in that interview. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of in game interviews as, as they are. And I'm even more so when it's the championship game and, uh, you know, every, every play ultimately matters. You know, bring those guys on when it's a drubbing and it's the fourth quarter and you want to get some, you know, attention towards a good cause and, and you know, just give a break to the announcers. Seems like Grey Cup isn't the time or place to uh, be going into lengthy interviews during the game. No doubt. Uh, uh, quickly, uh, when uh, we're going to be talking a lot about Friday's game all week long. Um, still have not seen a spread for this one, and I'm interested as to how close this is to a pick where the Bombers, I think the Bombers might be a slight favorite, maybe. But um, Really? This week? Well, I, you know, they have sort of been up and down. I mean, they're 2-2 two and two in their last four. Mm-hmm. The home games, they up until, you know, Friday, they were routinely putting up 50. Up. To me, just the Bombers have been so good at coming up big in the big moments. Um, and they certainly have a great uh, history of winning in BC Place as well. Um, but regardless of what the odds makers think, I mean, what do you just make of the challenge for the Bombers? Because this, all season long, we thought, you know, after they lost and got waxed by BC early on and then got back at them, putting up the 50-burger or whatever it was here in Winnipeg, we knew that this game would likely have the potential to determine the West. It certainly seems like that is the case. And, I mean, Jeff, we know how important it is for Winnipeg to try to secure home field. Um, it's a hell of a lot different beating the Bombers at IG Field in June or early July than it is in late November. Yeah, there's no doubt that, um, you know, that this game is going to be, going to feel and look probably end like a playoff game, right? Both of these teams understand the magnitude of this game. They both understand how important it is to clinching the West. They both understand the importance of clinching the West. I mean, is there another professional sports league where playoff positioning matters more than in the, than in the CFL? I mean, you win that division, you win that game this Friday and you're ultimately setting yourself up for one home win, likely against the same opponent uh, from punching your ticket into the championship. And so, yeah, both teams I imagine are going to get, are, are going to be dialed in, but to kind of your point, Huss, like, I think both the Lions and the Bombers have not played their best over the last month. Both have records that I don't think they're ultimately uh, ultimately thrilled with, have, have put together games that they're ultimately happy with, um, and that you could point to one team and be like, oh, yeah, this, this club's really rolling. You know, they got these pieces, they got those pieces, yada, yada. What I'm super curious about and what I think is potentially the X factor in this game, because it's been an issue for the Bombers for the last, whatever, five, six weeks or whatever long it's been, um, has been the has been whether or not Janarian Grant's going to come back. I mean, is this the game that the Bombers are waiting for? I mean, we've seen him sprinting in the end zone. We've seen him you know, doing footwork exercises. I mean, this guy doesn't need to have full-on practices to be a punt returner. But I, I wonder if that if this is not the week that we see Janarian Grant and pads because this is a massive, massive game for the Bombers. They know it for all the reasons I mentioned. They know they've witnessed it for the last two seasons, the importance of, of finishing atop the West. And it allows them to work and tweak their roster for whatever many games will be remaining. In this case, probably two games remaining or, or whatever. It allows them to, to, you know, figure out how they want to to run the health and what and and – um, 
you know, just their overall lineup heading into the playoffs gives you that freedom, one a freedom that only the Toronto Argonauts have right now. And so I think this is, you know, it's, it's just at the same time, it's so hard to know which team's going to show up. And uh, are we going to get the Vernon Adams that is, you know, gunslinging, throws six touchdowns a game and, and it seems to be finding all of his all of his weapons on offense and BC has quite a bit. Um, are we going to, is it going to be the guy who's, you know, he, he's throwing for three, 350 yards, you know, 400 yards, but he's turning the ball over five or six times and the lions are losing by 10. Like, you know, I think you could apply the same logic to the Winnipeg blue bombers. It's going to be a game that, you know, they come out and they, they dominate like we've seen them so many times at home, or is this one where they're going to let teams hang around? It's going to be a nail biter the whole game and, Field position is going to be another, you know, top of mind, you know, part of the of the game, and ultimately maybe the downfall for the Bombers. That's I think these two teams. The fact that we we don't quite know what the, you know, we can't quite predict the spread, and I, I wouldn't even try to right now. I think it could be either team could be viewed as a as an underdog or a favorite in this one. Um, just the the fact that you look at the roster and where the where their excellence is, both have good stingy defenses, both have prolific offenses when they're when they're firing at all cylinders. How many more cliches can I add to that sentence? Um, and then again, the special teams, two units that are okay, but I just with, with a, without a guy like Janarian Grant, I just I think the Bombers might be falling or, or second well, out of the race of two in that. It one. would be it would be huge if Janarian Grant all of a sudden returns to practice this week and is good to go on Friday. Um, we won't hold our breath though, considering how long that's gone. To me, this is going to come down to the performance of the Bomber defense. I mean, I have no doubt that the Bombers are going to get theirs on offense. I mean, the way Brady Oliveira is running the football right now, Zach Caleros will be there in the big game. You know, you got shown Kenny Lawler's due certainly after a pretty quiet game on Friday. So I think they'll be there. To me, this is going to come down to the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense and the performance that they're able to put up against VA in that BC Lions attack. Um, it should be uh, it should be an awesome one. By the way, uh, nothing gets the chat going, like a little talk about the CFL halftime show. Um, just before we go, what do you think? I can imagine a young Jeff Hamilton listening to the Dookie album a million times over and over in the midst of hell raising the mean streets of sunny St. James back in the day. Yeah, it might have been the first first cassette or radio to cassette tape album I put together where I recorded off the radio or just, you know, whatever. Or the first band <laughs> that I, I got their album and started to memorize their words. I think, you know, it's interesting, right? Because... There's still out there are people out there that have you know crapped on Green Day as as the halftime show artists, and then there's people who you know I think there's way more people than I've seen in the past who have suggested they nailed it. Yeah, so like my, yeah, there's uh, way more positive reaction. Oh, way more, I mean, way more never, positive. There's always going to be impossible to have everyone be like, yeah, oh, I mean, there's going to be people. Who, yeah, exactly. The jokes I could see are already coming about just the you know, but Green Day's a world-renowned band. You know, they've you know they're they're super popular and have maintained their popularity through the decades. And, and while, you know, I think it's, I almost feel like it's the perfect get for the CFL because it brings in a bit of a younger fan base because of what, of green days, newer stuff. And then obviously touches the heartstrings of a lot of older fans. You know, I'm in my mid to late thirties. There's people who are 10 years older than me and more that, you know, enjoyed green day and, 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 you know, and, and their, you know, whatever their, their heyday, if you will, but I think they nailed it. And it's going to be one where everyone's going to know the songs. I think it's going to be, you know, you know, certainly uh, just a flashback for a lot of people. And, and yeah, I commend the CFL and I commend the CFL for announcing it ahead of time and not having to wait 
and piss people off with uh, <laughs> with uh, with what happened last season. Obviously, in I see Bruce, Bruce, uh, Isha boy, Bruce, doing the old. We knew them back when they were just small before they got big. <clears throat> Dookie was a radio pop album. All the skaters and punks were over it by then. Mm, that might be a little revisionist history, Isha boy. I will say this. I so have. You, yeah, you like the Green Day before they were cool, before they were cool, before they were cool kind of situation. Well, like... you know what? I mean, Kerplunk was pretty popular. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, they did have, there were some people that knew. I have an incredible story about the Green Day show and meeting them in 1994 at the Rendezvous four or five weeks before the Woodstock um, the Woodstock concert where oh, they had the really? big mud fight that really took them Put to them a on whole the map. new stratosphere. Unfortunately, I can't tell the uh, story on uh, on the show. So yeah, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah, sometime you can not ask even, me about not even this two if you seconds see me of the it. Game. Hey, no, no, you couldn't, not... even, you couldn't even get fifteen seconds into the story. But it, was di- it was a it was a different anyway. time. It was a different time back then, Jeff. But. Um, uh, it was uh, it was lots of fun. They put on a great a simpler show. time, I believe they say, us. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I imagine you're going to be uh, all over uh, bombers, getting ready for this uh, huge tilt on Friday. Are you out in Vancouver as well? No, we're uh, we're not making the trip out there. This is, was our was our you know I'll, I'll save my judgment on the decision, but it was one of those. Okay, we usually skip one of the games. Usually a BC game at 9 p.m. It doesn't hit our paper deadline, of but I'll, I will be. Uh, I will be fully covering it from home. It's the one game we're we're not going to be at, which is unfortunate given the stakes of it. But at the same time, I'll be all over with my opinions and talking to people about it and all those other things. So hopefully, the, the coverage will be comparable. Love not- it, dude. Um, we'll uh, look forward to uh, everything leading up to this big one in the free press all week long. Take it easy, and we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, again, shout out to the uh, commenters. You guys know you make the show. So we'll yeah, see you again next week. Good crew in here. Good crew. Uh, 430 Great plus crew. in the chat right now. Let's hit that thumbs up, everyone. And anyone in the chat that has not already hit the subscribe button, help the boys out. We're just over 50 away from 10,000. We got to get to it for next week. So uh, please hit that subscribe button. And it's a completely free. Uh, and you'll have all the latest Winnipeg Sports Talk content in your YouTube lined up if you're not able to join us live uh and tell a friend about wst thank you uh, everybody all right we're gonna uh, get ready for moose camp from the iceplex in just a minute but i do want to shout out our friends at vita health fresh market if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements beauty products and groceries stop by one of six vita health fresh market stores or online at myvita.ca with local delivery options and I know there's so many gearing up now that we're back to school. You need to keep that energy up with Health First B12 Supreme. B12 is involved in so many functions of our bodies like metabolizing carbs, fats, and proteins, which are converted into energy. Health First B12 Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations, again, online at myvita.ca. Uh, well, it's been an amazing summer. And that overhead garage door of yours has had plenty of ups and downs getting you and the fam to all the uh, fun that you've had over the course of the last few months. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on an overhead garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call the experts at Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, 
and that is Wallace and Wallace. Well, hard to believe we're into October right now, folks, and um, it's not too long before holidays are going to be just around the corner. Listen, if you're looking in the closet and realize that you need to up your menswear game, get on down to F Apparel and do it now. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. And don't forget, 15% discount for wedding parties when the wedding party gets their suits at F Apparel as well. Pop by and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown. You can also make an appointment or find out more online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And hey, shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. More blizzard weather on the weekend. How nice was the end of September? Hopefully we can hang on a little bit more. But you know the sweet tooth of Manitobans is there 12 months a year. And Nikki Nikki DQ is there for you as well. Four locations. DQ Northgate, DQ Pola Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And don't forget, for if you're out in Niverville, Nick and Nikki just opened up the pita pit there as well. Health, healthy, delicious, fast and fresh, and great catering as well. You can find out more about catering at Pita Pit Niverville on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, let's head up to the Iceplex right now, and it's the return of the bank. As Manitoba Moose training camp gets underway, Daniel, great to see you. How was your summer, and are you ready to get back to work? Us, it's great to be back. Summer was good, relaxing. Sit by the pool a little bit. Get out to Calgary to see the family at the tail end there. Just uh, everything you could want in a, a nice, relaxing summer to recharge for uh, what should be an exciting hockey season. And yeah, it was great to see the uh, the Moose back on the ice here today. Um, there's been so much excitement about this upcoming Moose season with these you know, talented young players and high draft picks that are going to be coming in. Although the squad took a little bit of a hit today when we learned that Jansen Harkins, who led the team in goals last year with 25 and only 44 games, was claimed off waivers by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Definitely a loss to the Moose, but I'd imagine there's some people in the organization happy for Jansen that he's going to get an opportunity to play in the National Hockey League in a situation that, you know, wasn't afforded him and just simply wasn't there for him here in Winnipeg with the big club. Yeah, it's always a bittersweet day when a player is claimed on waivers. Like you said, uh, the competitive side of you that uh, wants the Moose to have the best possible players uh, wishes you had that 25-goal, 50-point player in the lineup, one of the elite players in the American Hockey League when Jansen Harkins is at that level. But uh, personally, you're excited for those players to get that opportunity. And uh, for Harkins, uh, it's a pretty great opportunity to go to Pittsburgh and, and show what he can do. And uh, you look forward to seeing him stick at the NHL level. It happened for uh, Johnny Kovacevic and uh, Mikey Acemont last year. So uh, you hope to see something similar from Jansen. Um, now, uh, Dan, um, you know, listen, the, the Moose coaching staff has been very involved in training camp. We've seen Mark Morrison out there. Uh, Bomber has been very involved as well. Um, but now we're starting to see cuts from the Jets going to the Moose, a number of players clearing waivers today. Um, fill us in on how things are changing for Morrison, for Baumgartner, and uh, the way camp is shaping up now, as well as a number of players um, getting some PTOs to show that um, maybe they could help this team win some hockey games next year. 
Yeah, the beginning of camp's always an interesting time. You have folks making schedules based on guesswork, really. You're trying to see, okay, well, we might be getting these guys back. These guys might hit waivers. And sure enough, a group of players hits waivers. You expect, okay, well, we'll probably have them in ready to go for tomorrow. And then, lo and behold, Jets are going through kind of a, a bit of a bug and uh, some injuries right now. So a few of them end up staying a little longer, which is also a, a good thing for those guys to get more opportunity with the big clubs. So that trickles down things change uh, with the club and uh, you look at some different schedules over the next uh, few days and we'll have to wait and see how everything plays out but uh, like you mentioned uh, a bunch of tryouts as there always are this time of year of course with the moose uh, having a age or excuse me an echl affiliate this season you guys coming in from the norfolk admirals and uh, some new faces that we haven't seen before and some local content as well on those tryouts uh, guys like stelio mateos who's Obviously, a Winnipeg kid, former first overall pick in the WHL, Dante Genuzzi, who was with the uh, club last season as uh, as a tryout after his season with the Portland Winter Hawks. You got Colt Conrad out of Brandon, as well as Keaton Jamison. So a couple of local products in uh, with those tryouts. A few more guys on the list as well. But uh, then you have some of your AHL contracts. Another local kid, or at least Manitoba kid, in Dawson Bartow and uh, Mark Lewiski. So some of these names aren't as familiar. Carson Golder just signed a, a two-year contract with the moose today uh, but this is their opportunity and in, in talking to, to Craig Heisinger and Mark Morrison point that they've made some of the guys is there isn't a lot of time it's just the nature of the beast the camp for the moose is not uh, it's it's not a long sprint here it's it's really just something that comes and goes very quickly so every player needs to have on their mind what are they doing to stand out every time they're on the ice, whether it's in practice or in the couple of exhibition games the Moose have against the uh, U of M Bisons or even the inner squad game coming up as well? Yeah, you know, you just quickly on that. Um, you know, I remember back in the 1.0 era, there was often an exhibition game between the Bisons and, you know, sort of the rookies, if you will, from uh, from the, the you know, from the big club. Um I love the fact, and listen, I think budgets, you know, there's a lot of teams that, you know, if you have to have big time travel, there's not a lot of exhibition. Frankly, you're getting players so late. There is an element of just boom, get right to it, and you're starting the season. Um, but two exhibition games, the fifth and the ninth, with the Bisons playing the opponents for uh, the Manitoba Moose, um, I think is a great start and continues the relationship between the organization and a program that has a lot of talent at the at the U Sports level, which a lot of people I don't think are really aware of. Yeah, and it's important for the Moose players to kind of get that opportunity to game situation against players that they aren't practicing against. I think that's that's yeah. kind of the big thing for for the Moose. Obviously, uh, it, it can be tricky, like you were saying, to get those preseason games against AHL competition just with travel the way it is, where the Moose are located. It's not like uh, it's not like you're one of those Midwest teams in the states for Chicago. You've got two teams within an hour's travel, right? So um, that that's a bit tricky. But uh, yeah, I get that relationship with the Bisons. Of course, they had the one exhibition game against them last season and uh, University of Regina Cougars as well. Uh, prior to that, we've seen the Bisons uh, up against the Moose as well. So it's, uh, it gives those players, we were talking about how quick and how small that opportunity is to show what you can do. Those are big moments for those players and uh, the Bisons players certainly get up for it as well as they want to show well uh, against the pros. So it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic and uh, it should be a fun couple of games. Hey, I, I think, uh, and I know things will kind of become a lot more clear in the next, uh, you know, couple weeks. We get closer to puck drop. But um, I just wanted to ask you about the goaltending situation for the Manitoba Moose. You've got Oscar Salmanen. It is likely that Colin Delia 
um, will be sent to the moose. Um, I think it's quite clear that Loren Brassois and Connor Hellebuck are a very clear one-two with that club. And then you've got the youngster, Thomas Millich. Um, there will be an option, I guess, to send him to the East Coast League, and he could probably play 55, 60 games there, getting him rolled out night in and night out. Um, but what do you make of Milich's opportunity and chance? Uh, certainly he's shooting to try to spend this year in the American Hockey League and stay as close to the NHL as possible. I mean, for, for Milich, I mean, the longer that Colin Delia remains with the Winnipeg Jets, it certainly helps him be able to to show what he can do uh, in the crease against uh, AHL competition and get more time with the pros. As for what the future holds, who knows? I mean, that's that's definitely going to come down to uh, what the coaching staff, the organization thinks. Of course, uh, Milich currently uh, doesn't have a doesn't have a deal right so it doesn't have a, uh, excuse me isn't on an AHL or NHL contract so something that uh, still needs to get worked out transaction wise and uh, and paperwork wise so uh, we'll see what uh, the Jets and Moose management have in store for him but uh, an opportunity ahead of him right now as he gets a little time between the crease um, Dan fill us in on um, the schedule for um, the uh, training camp over the next little bit uh, they mentioned that first preseason game is on Thursday, and then what, uh, following Monday, Thanksgiving Monday, I believe, is the other one? You got me scrambling for my schedule here, Huss. Had the roster up, didn't have the schedule up. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at, uh, it's it's a pretty busy, it's a pretty busy little sprint here, so uh, going to be back on the ice at Hockey for All Center at 10 a.m. tomorrow, and uh, same for Wednesday, not sure. Originally, it was uh, looking like two groups, but uh, with some of those guys remaining with the Jets, it might just be one, so we'll have to uh, stay tuned for that. And then, like you mentioned, on Thursday, it's a 7 o'clock exhibition game against the University of Manitoba. That's at Wayne Fleming Arena, and I think you can actually get tickets for that one um, through the Bison's website. So they'll be off on Friday. Inter-squad game on Saturday at 11, so a nice kind of early skate for the guys and uh, get them the rest of the day after that so if you're looking to check out some hockey on saturday you can see the guys going up against each other on the seventh sunday back on the ice for just a regular skate and then again like you're mentioning those exhibition games on monday realize that's the uh, that's the long weekend monday there um so uh, an early game so you can come check out the moose and uh, the bisons at hockey for all center and then get to your thanksgiving celebrations uh in the evening so it's just like we we're talking about Camp is here for a good time, not a long time. So uh, uh, the guys need to show what they can do. And then uh, just like that, it's, it's a race towards the, the home opener on uh, October 13th. Bring it on. Uh, Dan, awesome having you back on the program. Um, hope you had a great summer because uh, it's time to get back to it. We'll look forward to your calls and more visits on WST as we follow the moose uh, heading into the season. Thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me on, Hus. Like I said, it's great to be back with you guys. <laughs> Good stuff, pal. There is Dan Fink, voice of the Moose. You can hear his calls at moosehockey.com as well as uh, the CGOB website. We are going to talk some Blue Jays coming up in just a minute. Um, looking forward to having Josh Goldberg join us to set up the Blue Jays and Twins, which, get, which gets going tomorrow in the Twin Cities. Uh, before we do that, some great bomber content with Jeff Hamilton heading into the big game coming up on Friday. Of course, all our bomber reports are brought to you by Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Football Club. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Oz Auto. Visit them online princessauto.com or at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road 
and Portage Avenue West. Um, well, listen, I know there's a lot of yard work happening around here as of uh, this past weekend, more gorgeous weather. Um, and even the guys at Consolidated Supply, Joe and the gang still cranking out great irrigation systems and solutions for Winnipeg residences and businesses. Of course, they are the leaders in irrigation, artificial, artificial turf, golf carts, and more as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. But Consolidated Supply has other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, and of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see Consolidated Supply at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. And just before we bring in Josh, don't forget, gang, Blue Jays playoffs start tomorrow. Do you have faith? Maybe you should be getting down to Royal Sports and grabbing some Jays merch before the playoffs officially begin tomorrow. You know Royal Sports has for, been for 40 years the ultimate sports superstore in Winnipeg with the best and exclusive merchandise for your Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, National Football League, and tons of Jays gear just in time for the playoffs. And with hockey season upon us, you all know that Royal Sports has been and continues to be the ultimate hockey superstore in Winnipeg, family-owned for 40 years. Pop down and see in Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and give them a follow on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pemina. All right, we got some baseball tomorrow for all, well, not necessarily for all the marbles, but to continue to stay in the mix for all of them. And let's welcome in Josh Goldberg from thescore.com to get ready for Twins, Blue Jays, best of three. Josh, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, thanks for having me, Hustler. Uh, yeah, it's that time. Nothing beats postseason baseball, man. I, I, it, we grinded for 162 games, six months, eight months of you include spring training. So, uh, yeah, let's let it get started tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Well, that's why they let her rip so hard on that champagne celebration, which was, I mean, listen, we can poke fun at it. I mean, there's a lot of hilarity to it, but there's a lot of work that gets into qualifying for it. And even if the circumstances were a little bit bizarre, it was worthy of a party yesterday because everything that the Jays needed to have happen after they lost on Saturday came through. And I think they're in a pretty good spot with the opponent that they wanted. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think it's always tough to look at a team and say, oh, yeah, this is a better matchup for us. I think that's how you run into trouble. You think like in Toronto, look at the Leafs with the Florida Panthers. Huh. That didn't work out uh, so great. It, Minnesota's, they're not loaded with star power but by any means. A lot of their key guys are banged up and either not going to play or if they do play, be at far less than 100%, whether you're talking about Carlos Correa or Byron Buxton or Royce Lewis. But the Jays not having to use Kevin Gosman yesterday was gigantic because that just throws everything out of whack. Like if he's unavailable to pitch until even game three, if you get there and then that would be on short rest, that's just a disaster scenario. It just throws uh, everyone else into an uncomfortable position. And now you have your ideal starting pitching alignment. It's going to be Gosman in game one. And then some combination, I would think of Bassett and Barrios in game three and that's a really good games two and three, and that's a really good spot to be in. And yeah, they're they're set up, but it's on the the guys to perform. Yeah, they got to start figuring out a way uh, to do a little bit more at the plate, and that starts with power. And you got to hit some home runs in the postseason, and 
they've struggled in that uh, category all season. Yeah, we'll get. I mean, we'll get to the hitting in a minute because that has been confounding at times for a club with so much talent in that room. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, getting your ace Gosman on the hill, and to have the options. I mean, the Jays had four guys, even in a season where Alec Manoa flamed out and isn't even with the club anymore. Four guys with thirty-one starts or more. At one point, I'm sure it finished this way. All four guys sub four ERAs. Um, like I'm the president of the Kikuchi fan club. I'd love to see him <clears throat> get a start. They would not be here without him. But what's your best guess? If this series goes three games, who would the starters be after Gossman? And for the odd man out, let's say it's Kikuchi, how would he be used if needed? So I think that I could see a situation in which Kikuchi does start because Minnesota does have a lot of left-handed hitters. And he's obviously a, a powerful lefty, and that could be um, a good weapon. I would still probably look at Bassett and Brios as, as over, definitely more likely. I think if it were up to me, it sort of depends what happens in the first game. I think if you win game one, I would start Brios in game two. And that's not a situation where it's like I feel less confident in him if you're facing elimination. I, I just think that I like Bassett in game two with your back against the wall if you lose. And if you win game two, I like Barrios in game two to try and pitch you to a sweep. And if you don't get it done, then you have the Bulldog and Bassett in game three that I just feel like with all the marbles on the line, he's done it all season long, really. He's arguably been their most consistent pitcher, not their best, but outside of a few hiccups here or there, he's given them a chance basically every time. And that's what you're looking for in a win or go home situation. So I think win, it's Gosman, Barrios, Bassett. Lost game one, it's Gosman, uh, Bassett, Barrios. You get to game three. You know what? It, it's funny. Just quickly on Kikuchi. I don't okay. know why he was trending. Or maybe I just hit so many Kikuchi links, they just fire me things. But whatever. He's coming up on, on he's trending right now. And... And I, this goes back to the start of the season. We had my pal J.D. Bunkus on the program. We were talking about, you know, everything around the Blue Jays. And he was out on Kikuchi. Everyone was out on Kikuchi, frankly. And I'm like, you know, get this guy another chance. Kind of half joking, but I wanted to see him do well. But, I mean, you tweeted this the other day. His rebound and turnaround stands out in Blue Jays history for a guy that literally by most was left for dead, like wasted money. He'll never pitch again for the team to being a massive reason why this team is in the playoffs when we get going tomorrow. Oh yeah. He was as valuable as it gets as, as needed as it gets. Um, you could say this about any of those you alluded to four starting pitchers, 30 plus starts, a sub three ERA. They would have been really, really in a bad spot without any of those guys with what Alec Manoa was unable to do. They had to cover so much expected ground that he was expected to really fill. And Kikuchi is just a different pitcher. I, I, maybe it was the pitch clock. There was all this talk about how he was just going to not have as much time in between pitches to really get it in his own head. And he just had to get out there and just kind of just go after it and not shake the catcher off and just trust the plan and execute. And his command was way better. There were way fewer outings or even at bats within outings where his he just had no idea where his stuff was going. And even the, the few times it, maybe his command wasn't at its best, he battled. Like last year, if things kind of slipped in the first inning, he would 
crumble and it just he couldn't rally whatsoever this year he he battled he gutted it out and it became pretty clear that he was a popular guy in that clubhouse the guys really like him you always see in starts that he's not um on the mound joking around in the dugout laughing smiling and we saw it last year when he was struggling they really went to bat for him and they had his back there was no you know backing the bus up over him it was yeah we're going to continue to ride with this guy and if he's not in the rotation i think with like i said minnesota being so left hand heavy i think that you can find a spot like if somebody you don't like somebody's first turn and a half through the rotation but you're still in a tie game or maybe you're down a run or up a run and then you can go to Kikuchi because the matchups dictate it I think there's some flexibility with how you might be able to use him in a series like this so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's valuable for them in these three games well and you know and the pitching overall I mean I just found this tweet that you know in, in a lot of ways I think speaks to you know the story of the year for Toronto Bassett, Kikuchi and Berrios the guys labeled okay depth guy might not make the roster and lost cause are now your AL leader in wins dependable big arm with 9.7 K per nine and workhorse with a top 10 AL ERA. Um, you know, it's, if there's one maybe question mark about the pitching going into this series, it's Jordan Romano who was on a streak of 26 straight saves and has had two hiccups over the past week. Uh, is there any concern on that or you just have to realize that this is the guy that got you there and have confidence that he'll be able to get it done? I think there's always concern with <laughs> high leverage relievers when they have hiccups, especially in the playoffs, you have to at least, it, it, you can't just sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to, like my hair's not on fire. I'm not panicking, but I, I think that it wouldn't shock me if there's a situation where maybe they go to Jordan Hicks first like the thing about the playoffs is you use your bullpen differently. I don't think it's just a guarantee that Jordan Romano is going to be saved for a theoretical save situation in the bottom of the ninth or the in the bottom of the ninth inning. I just I think like if the bases are loaded or there's two on in the sixth or seventh and you like the matchup against maybe the meat of the order, you could go to your closer in that situation. You manage what's in front of you instead of what might be coming. And I think that John Schneider last year in the postseason struggled uh, a little bit with that, especially in game two with the whole Gosman situation, maybe not reading that in the right way. But I still think that I said, I said this on my podcast that when you watch 162 games of one team, you sort of, you have tunnel vision to only that one team and you're not really that aware of what's going on on other teams. If you watched 162 games really of any team, you would be saying a lot of the same things about other teams closers that you say about Jordan Romano. Yes. Would you like to see him throw his fastball a little bit more? Would you like his fastball to be more consistent? For sure. He's got a great slider. If his fastball command was better, you know, obviously it would obviously be better, but uh, by and large, the results are very good. And if you want to pick out a few hiccups, you certainly can. But the the larger body of work over really three seasons now, since early in 2021, has been one of the better closers, not just in the American League, but in all of Major League Baseball, a top third of the league closer. So I'm not going to just say, oh, yeah, I have to abandon him because of a couple of bumps down the stretch. 
I'm just going to let it fly with him. And if it burns me, it burns me. But I, I want to go down with my best in the postseason. And I still think that right there with Hicks, he's my best. Um, well, we spent a lot of time talking about pitching. Let's get to the hitting because this was such a confounding team for a good portion of the year with all the talent, with what we know that these guys can do at the plate. The inability to hit consistently and hit with runners in scoring position was a big reason why this came down to nail-biting time watching a game between the Rangers and Mariners in game 161. Where are things at right now? Can they turn it on? Is there reasons to be confident that you know, maybe we'll see a level of plate discipline and execution that we didn't see in the regular season, Josh, um, because you're not going to win. You can get the best pitching, but if you don't play any runs, you're not winning. Yeah, I like I, their plate discipline improved as the season went along in September. They were walking quite a bit. They weren't chasing much, which is obviously very encouraging. Their runners in scoring position numbers did improve really from early August on. Some of that was inflated by games where they really strung it together and there were still too many instances where they would really scuffle. There's not a lot that's just saying, oh yeah, they're all of a sudden going to go on this crazy tear or binge. But they do have the talent that like, if it did happen, we couldn't sit here and say, oh, my God, that's the most shocking thing that's ever happened. There's clearly enough talent here. That's why we've been saying it all season long. It's, oh, it's bound to click in at some point. There's too much talent here for it not to. And the thing is, I don't think they need to do that much. Like if you can find a way to score four runs most games, four or five runs, which like, in the playoffs is easier said than done. With this pitching staff, you're going to like your chances. But to me, it really comes down to you can't rely on stringing two or three hits together with the runners in scoring position. There has to be some occasions where you clear the backs with a two or three run homer. And they struggled. I think they finished the season 18th in Major League Baseball as a team in home runs, which is really surprising considering where they've been and honestly what the expectations were heading into the season. But if they struggle to hit home runs, especially against the Twins, who were third as a team in home runs, then there's a real chance that this series doesn't go the way that Blue Jays fans want it to. Um, Josh, I have to ask you about the managers in this. you got uh, Big John Schneider, Rocco Baldelli, I'd be lying if I wasn't worried about a boneheaded mistake by the Blue Jays manager being impactful in this series. What, um, listen, what do you make of the, the, the matchup between these managers and uh, how much is going to be on John Schneider to um, step his game up at the most important time of the year? A lot. I think there's a lot of pressure on both of them. Uh, Baldelli, I believe, is 0 5 in his career as a manager. The Twins haven't won a playoff series since 2002. Um, I believe they've lost 18 straight playoff games. Like, it's been rough for them. So there's a lot of pressure on both of these guys. And for Schneider, it's just about reading situations right. Like if Alejandro Kirk's up with a runner on first base, don't be trigger shy to get the runner moving so you don't have a situation where he's a real double play threat. And we saw it happen in the series against the Rays. Just little things, moving the runner. I don't personally love bunting, but if there's a situation that calls for it, maybe there's a situation that calls for it. And then obviously your your bullpen deployment, playing the matchups the right way. Um, not necessarily just going to Jimmy Garcia or Trevor Richards because it's the fifth inning and, oh, well, I want to save Jordan Hicks and Eric Swanson and Romano till later. Like I said, 
I always think back to Buck Showalter in 2016, and it's not quite an apples and, and, and to apples comparison, but don't wait around for a possible save situation or a possible important scenario that might never occur. Like just manage what's in front of you. And if you need to make another tough call later in the game, cross that bridge when it comes to it. I, I just don't think that you can have a crystal ball in the postseason. There has to be a lot of feel and uh, just a lot of living in the moment decisions and going with your staff and your gut and making those right calls. And it's on him now to do it because uh, if it doesn't go according to plan, he's going to be, I, I think, under some some major scrutiny. Josh Goldberg with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Jays and Twins tomorrow, game one, just after 3.30 Winnipeg time. They'll do it again in game two on Wednesday at the same time. Josh, this was awesome. Thank you for doing this, folks. Get over to thescore.com. Great preview of the series from Josh. And uh, fill people in on the designated for assignment podcast and what you've got coming up there as we head into the postseason. Yeah, I have a series preview up um, wherever you get your podcast. You can uh, find it uh, on Twitter at DFA underscore pod. You can find me at Goldberg 12 uh, on Twitter, breaking it down. I'll be back as well. Um, I, maybe not after every game. We'll see how it goes around my schedule, but uh, do my best to break down uh, the games as they happen. And hopefully it's a long run. Just win, at least win one game. That's all I'm asking. At the very least, don't get swept. Well, you know what? And, and listen, I hope that they can make it through. And I hope that uh, we might be able to do this again, talking about uh, more Blue Jays playoff baseball. If you've got some time to join us, really enjoyed the conversation, Josh. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, Hustler. Give me a shout. Happy to do it. <laughs> right on. There is Josh Goldberg with us. And again, uh, designated for assignment is the podcast. Wherever you're getting WST, you can get that. You can also check him out on Twitter and on X. Um, Hey, Monday Night Football tonight. We'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. The Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. Interesting matchup. Oh, we'll get to that in a moment. But, hey, if you're looking for a great spot to go, enjoy Monday Night Football with your crew. You know where to do that. Your local Boston pizza. The big game on the big screen. Great prizes at all the Boston pizzas on all Monday Night Footballs. And maybe most importantly... Ice Cold Schooners, world-famous BP Wings, gourmet pizzas, and all the uh, other great stuff, including the latest on the BP feature menu. And hey, if you are staying at home tonight, you can always get the great taste of BP by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. And if you're lucky, your uh, local BP might be on Skip as well. Um, and hey, a big shout-out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Saw the LBJs at the Bomber game on Friday. And don't forget, folks, Little Brown Jug is now an official partner of the Winnipeg Jets. It is available at Canada Life Center in the new craft beer corner, up in Section 310 in the bar there, as well as in the north and south ends of the main concourse. So new choices for Jet fans when it comes to cold beer at the games. And thank God, Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug, is part of that. Pick it up on Thursday's exhibition game against the Ottawa Senators and throughout this year down at Canada Life Centre. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Remus, I have to admit, I'm really fired up for this Blue Jays game tomorrow night after talking to Josh. This is going to be fun. I think the Jays absolutely can win this series. And I'll tell you what, I've thought about this all year long. They have been underwhelming. They have been disappointing at times. It took way too long for them to clinch their spot. But I just can't help but think when you look at the talent on that club that 
there is certainly is a path that this team could get hot right now. And uh, if they do, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, I agree with you that, you know, they have the talent. They're a really good team, but I think they've been, you know, suffering with disappointment since that series this time last year against Seattle. And they should be ready here. They've got great pitching, but I think on, on the other side, Minnesota is another team that's had a lot of playoff disappointment in the last 20 years. Sorry, did he say 18 straight 18 playoff straight. games that they've yep. lost? Like they haven't yes. won a series in no. forever. And they've been first place at times yeah. playing wild card team, just boom, losing every game. Yeah. Uh, I So uh, I'm curious. It's, it is a great matchup. And I'm curious also how many Jays fans are going to make it down. Uh, you know, Ken and Mike uh, going down. Can we, Mike McIntyre, I've seen people in chat. I saw Zach wrote that he was going down. Yeah, I was going to say anybody in chat that's mm-hmm. uh, going to be uh, getting up bright and early tomorrow or even tonight and heading down to the Twin Cities for a little playoff baseball? Yeah, let us know. I'm I'm curious. So uh, I think, I'm. will there be a Jays contingent there in blue uh, amongst the uh, Minnesota Twins fans there? So yeah, going to be a great series afternoon playoff baseball right after WST. Turn it on. Uh, exciting stuff here. So every pitch, yes, you're on the edge of your seat. Uh, playoff baseball, unlike any other playoffs, I feel like. Oh man, no, no doubt about it. And I mean, man, it was. I, I went and um, we. Uh, well, we'll talk about this in the cool bet lines in a minute. But I was, I was mighty invested in the uh, Montreal, Ottawa game, on Saturday afternoon, and uh, went by my local to watch the second half of that game. Hung around for a bit, and then the Rangers-Mariners game came on, and, you know, the Texas got up early, held it down, won the game. But, I mean, even that was tense, and the Blue Jays weren't even involved in that game, but there was still a lot on the line. So everything that they wanted had to happen. Gossman gets the start tomorrow, 3.30. We will lead you into Blue Jays baseball for the next couple days on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure to be joining us live on the YouTube channel. And, of course, make sure that you are subscribed. Ah, yes, to the Cool Bet lines. And uh, I, I have to admit, Reem, part of the reason why I was so invested in the Hamilton, or, sorry, the Montreal game on Saturday was that we got two borderline miracle covers on Friday night. Uh, shout out to Sergio Castillo and the Bombers for that late field goal that put them over the seven-and-a-half-point spread confirming the win and I went out after the game to see what was happening in that BC Saskatchewan game it was 33-11 with about three minutes left in the game and I said well the partner parlay is screwed we had uh, Saskatchewan plus 10 and then saw that they scored a touchdown with a minute 40 left and then another one with 10 seconds left to cover the spread so if you rode with us on that CFL partner parlay Always have faith, everybody. Plus 6.30 it came in. Was a very nice bonus to the weekend. Had some nice wins on the Ryder Cup. Kind of up and down with the NFL. The Dolphins game really, really screwed us yesterday for the NFL partner parlay because we had the box was all over them. The under in the Cleveland-Baltimore game. But the Dolphins got smoked. And that was not good for the partner parlay. Uh, for tonight's game, Seahawks are a short favorite on the road at the Giants. Minus two and a half is the number on Seattle. Giants plus two and a half. This was two earlier today. I've seen the money line has changed. And again, the money line is just for a team to win. Seattle was minus 25. It's now minus 135. So 
a little bit of cheese coming in on the Seattle Seahawks. Now, let's quickly get over to the Blue Jays because all the lines are up. And, uh, man, this is you can just see how close this Blue Jays-Twins game is and this series is. Game number one, the Jays, uh, a minuscule underdog. I mean, this is basically a pick em. Twins minus 109, Jays minus 104. But for the series, Toronto is, wow, this is totally flipped since earlier this morning. When I first saw this and we were doing the lock ship, the Jays were even money. And the Twins were a slight favorite at minus 114. Well, that's flipped. The Twins are now even money. And the Blue Jays are minus 120. So uh, Jays fans are ponying up, getting behind their team right now. Minus 120 for the Blue Jays to win the series. If you do think the Blue Jays are going to win 2-1, to one, you can bet that at plus 275. Jays 2-0, plus 300. Probably better off now that I think about it. Remus, you, you're, you're a smart guy. You've got a counting background. Sure. What's what's a better move to put a hundred bucks on the Blue Jays at minus one twenty? Yeah. So let's just see if we did that, that would pay you back one eighty three thirty three, or instead of that, to put fifty bucks on the Jays to win two to one, which would pay one eighty seven point five. Ooh. And fifty dollars on the Jays to win two to zero at plus three hundred, which would return two hundred. I think we just answered the question. You're better off to split your bet yes. between Jays two to one, Jays two zero, and you'd get more of a return. That's some that's some big lock shot wow. insight here on the that's uh, some, on WST. That's some good math, has yeah. If you're betting the Jays to win, I mean there's only two possible combinations, two one or Two zero. Two zero. And both you're either winning one eighty seven or two hundred if you split the bet. Yeah. Or if you just put it on the money line. So, anyways, that's probably gonna change quickly. So if you're thinking about doing that, get in right now because the series correct scores haven't changed like the uh, like the lineup uh, has. Other series, I'm just interested to see what these series uh, odds are. Rays minus one eighty two favorites against the Texas Rangers. And uh, Rangers plus 155. The Brewers and Arizona Diamondbacks. Brewers are the favorites at minus 175. Arizona plus 150. That one's off the board right now, though. It seems like something's moving. And then the Phillies and Marlins. Phillies minus 200. Marlins plus 170. There's always an upset or two, Reem. Where, where are the upsets in the first round? Oh, man. Um... Upset, I'll go with, oh, man, in the first round here, Diamondbacks? That D-backs plus 150? Yeah, I'll go with the D-backs there. They surprised me how good they were there this year. I was just sort of used used to them being so brutal for the last couple seasons. I didn't really see them going out. I like the Brewers. I love Milwaukee. Good town. I'd like to see them win. I wouldn't mind seeing the Marlins stick it to the Phillies. Bryce Harper very angry at the end of the season mm-hmm. on callings from umpires. I saw saw that. That was I loved uh, him getting fired up at Angel Hernandez. One guy on Philly that I got my eye on, Kyle Schwarber. I think he had close to fifty homers this year. We know how playoff good he was. monster man. Man, every time I look at the box score, because uh, I had Nick Castellanos in fantasy, I'd be like, oh, did Castellanos homer? No, it was Kyle Schwarber. It seemed like every day, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, homered and look, they've 
very experienced. They've been there before. They got my guy Aaron Nola uh, pitching, although he's kind of had a down second half. So I do like like the Phillies. Although I think I saw people tweeting like this is the some uh, Marlins fan was so ecstatic that they made the playoffs for the first time in I can't even remember since was it two thousand three. Like when they won, was that really the? I'm trying to remember. Anyways, the he's last like, time. He's like, I survived. They had this guy and this guy. I remember when they had Reggie Abercrombie in center field. I mean, this guy was, gave Reggie a, sh- a shout out. So, uh, I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, they made the playoffs. K. Okay. I got to pull this. I'll tell you. It's been a long time. You can Google that. In the meantime. What do we got here? Jets. Okay, so yeah, Jets tonight in Calgary. Uh, again, it's very degen to bet the NHL preseason, but if you think you got an edge, go ahead, fire away. Jets plus 170 tonight. Flames minus 213. Flames puck line to win by two plus 133. Pretty much a full lineup for Calgary. And uh, a number of Winnipeg Jets staying home still under the weather right now. Uh, what do we got? We got seven games in the NHL preseason tonight. Habs Leafs going head to head. And uh oh, Patrick Line. I wonder if he'll be playing center. He tonight. is he Blue is playing jackets. center. Are they? Okay, he, now I, I actually saw. have a reason to sniff out that blues blue jackets game tonight. And uh I don't know whether Jansen Harkins is gonna get in. Probably not, because he just got claimed today, but the Penguins mm-hmm. are playing the Ottawa Senators. And then when is the, wasn't it the Avalanche and the Penguins are going to be playing a game in uh, Nova Scotia, I heard? Penguins played, that's Penguin Senators they they played. Oh, uh, Fra- so Frankie McDonald so- was there. I don't know if you saw, he was big Sens fan, Frankie McDonald in the house for that. No way. Yeah. Oh, and- so that's already taken place? Yeah, uh, I don't know if how many if there's. I'm yeah, I'm not even following if there's more than one game, but I know they're there. They're going uh, into Crosby's. What the shooting pucks into his dryer. His parents are delivering the team pastries. <laughs> uh, so well, it's a five o'clock game. Maybe it is there. So you know what? They probably that game, went to play too. That game will be there. I, for whatever reason, I thought that it was going to be. Um. I thought it was the apps, so they could have... Uh, yeah, they didn't... Oh, that is today. That is today. Nova Scotia showdown. Yeah, at, there it is. Ottawa the and, the, uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. That would be Anyways, fine. It's, it's all up there at CoolBet. Use the promo code WST if you haven't played a CoolBet before. Hook you up with a 100% bonus. Up to 200 bucks on your first yeah. deposit. One thing about tonight's Jets game, people asking, where can we watch it? Not on TSN 3 tonight because they're showing Monday Night Football. So it will be on winnipegjets.com for the game. So make sure you got, what, your computer or... I tried getting it on the NHL app on the Fire Stick. didn't work, so I had to, like, go to the browser app and type it in. It was kind of annoying to get on my on my TV, but uh, you know what? I'll figure it out. I'll watch on my computer or whatever, Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it's preseason. Like we CTO saw... skills once again, once again, yeah. showing, uh, showing off. We saw the lineup... Here it is. We'll see what happens. Uh, how they fill in. No Shafley, no Baron. Yeah. Lambert, uh, Toninato going to in. The sick crew. So there you have it. I like the way you just crossed the guys out. Like, didn't replace them. They just uh, yeah, well, we don't know. 
Like it was the last second scratch. So, like yeah. I don't know. I don't want to put something wrong. So Parker I just Ford getting another game as well. He'll be playing with Capari and presumably mm-hmm. Toninato, unless AJF moves up and uh, Toninato plays like, with, plays with Gus and VL on that fourth line. Who who's gonna go with? I follow a Nemestikov. They can put Kupari in there, move him up, and put Lambert with Ford and Tornado. I don't know. Mm, either that or maybe just put Lambert right into Shifley's spot. Yeah, see just, how he does. Just, I thought about that, that. Thought about that too. Why not? And Appleton moving up into Ealer's spot along with Perfetti and Nino on uh, on that line. Hey, before we go. I know we've talked a lot of Jets. We've hit the Bombers, and we'll get into much more Bomber talk getting closer to the big game on Friday night. Um, We hit the Blue Jays. Uh, Did not talk much about the Ryder Cup, um, which was awesome as always. Um, And a little closer than a lot of people thought on uh, on clinching day for the Europeans. Uh, But they they, they got it done. I did get up early yesterday, not quite at 6.30 or whatever time it started, but, you know, had it on PVR, watched it. It was actually late for watching football because I got so into it. Um, and, man, the weekend was wild. The Joe LaCava incident and the hats off for Patrick Cantlay. The European fans are so hilarious with some of their chants and taunts. So the Ryder Cup was amazing. But because I was watching Ryder Cup all Sunday morning, I was not tuned in to an epic London clash between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons. Um, did you watch that game, Remo? And uh, was there some alternate broadcast okay. that you were I, all fired up about? I watched the alternate Toy Story broadcast, the Disney Plus production, where they took the game and made it into animated characters as was happening, as if it was played out in Andy's room from the movie Toy Story. It was us. This was the I watched it with my with my wife. She's like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And uh, my son, who's four, he's familiar with Toy Story, not entirely though, but you know, definitely knows the characters. He was even interested. So anything that would get him to be watching football, which is usually a no go, uh, I loved it. So they had like the characters from like the aliens were doing the were working the camera. It's Slinky Dog, like Rex was doing. Uh, demonstrations uh, on the rules <laughs> they had so to drop the ball they had like the claw you know like the, from the game like the claw machine drop the ball there they would go to first person view sometimes inside the quarterback's helmet uh I, so that's how i watched it oh and the commentators were animated as well booger mcfarland and i forget who was doing play-by-play but it was so well done Hus. i hope they do more of these i'm a big fan of the nickelodeon one but uh that that uh, Toy Story broadcast, super cool. They had the car- like Buzz and Woody on the sidelines watching. Oh, was it on TV or did you have streaming to have some... It was streaming uh, only on Disney+. And that is, and so people have that in Canada too? That's not yeah. just an American thing? Yeah. So Interesting. It was, and the NHL, someone says the NHL needs, the NHL did a stream last year with like something greens, I didn't watch it. It didn't. It didn't resonate with me. But Toy Story, I, I saw some of that. That was, I think, a Rangers Capitals yeah. game, and it was basically it looked like a video game, but in real time they had the players come around and oh, listen, this is all cool. Yes, um, you know, and and <clears throat> you know they're trying to get new fans. They're trying to grow the game, as it were. 
much like the NFL going so all in to, I mean, basically Taylor Swift goes to a game and it takes over the broadcast, the NFL Twitter account, everything else. I'm still waiting for a, a television number from last night's game room. But as I said, I think it is going to smash records um, because that's what comes with Taylor Swift. I could do without maybe the entire Hollywood A-lister crew in the suite, but uh, hey, whatever. It was quite the it was quite the note. And by the way, um, as much as I mean, I am a Mahomes guy. He's the man. But even I was shocked and appalled at him doing the right thing at the end of that game and going down, but not going in for a for sure touchdown, which would have covered the spread and supported everyone that was on the Chiefs wagon against the number last night. I have Mahomes in fantasy in the WST Western League. I'm playing. I'm. I don't even know who I'm playing against, but I needed that touchdown. I was pretty, uh, pretty annoyed that he did the right thing and slid instead of going for the touchdown. <laughs> Come on! I was also annoyed at the interceptions that he threw. But we know the Jets. Yeah, those were two really weird. That entire game was bizarre. I mean, they just steamrolled them, go up seventeen nothing, and then. Jawan Taylor, who is just, I mean, a flag magnet right now, ever since, you know, game number one on Thursday night where he was lining off up off the ball. He just seems to be the target right now. Um, but, yeah, the minute, you know, he gave up that safety with the penalty, completely flipped that game. And Zach Wilson was awesome. Now, I mean, I'm not sure, and I know there's some comments in chat. I mean, Chris Collinsworth was completely, completely enamored with Zach Wilson. And I'll be honest, I'm a Chiefs guy. I wanted them to win. I, I couldn't help but kind of cheering for Zach as well last night, just with everything that he's been through. Um, listen, that was as good as he's looked. So maybe maybe he's going to figure it out and he'll be there. But, I mean, if he played like that every game this year, the Jets make the playoffs. The rest of their team is that good, if you ask me. All right, you wanted that number for, for the game? Yeah. Jimmy Traina tweeting out, no surprise oh. here. NBC gets monster number for Sunday Night Football. 27 million viewers for Chiefs Jets, which seems insane in 2023. Allow me to bury Horowitz myself. I called this on the show last week, Reem. We went through the numbers. The average Sunday night audience is 20 million. And I was asking Pat and the Cool Bet guys, can we get an over-under? I think it's going to go up by like 5 million or more. Mm-hmm. Up seven million or more, monster number. Nobody surprised the T Swift effect, and <clears throat> and it is kind of funny how the NFL is leading into this so much. But I'll tell you what, they're smart. They realize that this is the greatest gift wrap marketing opportunity they could possibly have to introduce a bunch of people that normally haven't given a damn about the NFL to the game. And if you can make a few new fans that way, go for it. But uh, they are leaning in hard. I have a feeling that's the end of Taylor at the games. I highly doubt she'll be in the Twin Cities watching the Chiefs and Vikings next week. Um, but if she does show up, I'll be on the lookout for her. boots on the ground on the uh, on the on the case. My favorite part of the game actually has, and I agree with you with that, as the beginning of the game where they showed Aaron Rodgers in the stands, and they're like, Aaron Rodgers wants to be there with his teammates. He's rehabbing in L.A. He wants to go there to do a motivational speech. 
show him that he's with them. Like, what are you talking about? He wants, he knows it's going to be a hugely viewed game on Sunday Night Football. He wants them to go see, see him on TV. He doesn't care about the team. Has he wants to be shown in the box, let everyone know that he's still hanging around the team. I mean, he, I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't have to weasel go. into the Taylor Swift box for more TV time. Yeah, he wanted the TV time on Sunday Night Football. That's a Saturday, you know, Sunday afternoon game or a noon game. He's not flying in from LA, no chance. I'm like, well, what are you like? Why are you not on the sidelines? Because, like, because that does that not, you know, you might be able to be a bit of a help to Zach. I mean, anyways, don't get me going in on uh, on Aaron Rodgers. But uh, anyways, now that that game is over, I'm all in on Zach Wilson. I hope he has a great season. I hope he actually turns into a at least an adequate NFL quarterback um, because they they really do have a great team. That Garrett Wilson is a stud. Their defense is elite. Um, and it was a weird one, but a fun one last night. And I guess Chiefs Vikings next week, big win for the Vikes. They get off the schneid, get their first win of the year. And, uh, I will be at that one. I'm sure there's probably a few more of you in the chat that are going to be out there as, uh, as well. Um, all right. Well, listen, a great show today. Tomorrow we're going to have another big one. Um, Scott Billick will be with us for the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. We'll talk a little bombers as they get ready for the BC Lions. And we will get ready for Blue Jays baseball right after the live edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk as a 3.30 start. And, of course, uh, we'll recap what happens tonight between the Jets and the Calgary Flames. Last game you won't have on TV. It is available at winnipegjets.com. And then we're back at it at home one more time on Thursday for the game against the Ottawa Senators. Huge thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen every day. All of you for making us a part of yours. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. 10K by October 11th. That's the goal. Have a great Monday night, folks. Enjoy Monday night football. We'll see you tomorrow right here on WST. Have a good one. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.